Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the La Cantina MX Football Podcast, episode 377. Going to be recapping the week we were off. Some questionable finish with Mexico and Jamaica in the Conca Champion or the Nations League, rather. And we also went back into football action Liga Mekis, Chivas versus Atlas. And Alexis Vega just needs to be. Staying off these interviews, man, because he's saying a lot of stuff that's just making him look bad. Also, Nacho Ambriz was on Fútbol Picante, had some had some thoughts, some some statements that he put out that we want to talk about. That and much more that we're going to be unpacking tonight, live on Twitter Spaces, of course, and YouTube. So be there. Make sure to request to speak if you want to say something. But before going any further, let me welcome my good friend Joel to the podcast. Joel, how are we doing? Doing good, homie. Lots of football news to cover. A lot to unpack, man. Yeah. Glad that we're back on Twitter Spaces. Appreciate everyone hopping on tonight. Obviously, um, we will be able to let you guys uh, speak up. Just let us debrief for a little bit, and we'll let you guys hop on and, and say what you need to say. Um, you know, starting with Diego Coca, we, we did have that match against Surinam. We, we talked about that, but then he had another match against Jamaica at home and in El Azteca where they were unable to get a victory. They tied 2-2, and uh, everything was said. Uh, the fans started booing Ochoa at one point in the match, and, um, you know, everyone's frustrated with the national team. They're not happy, and I don't know. Do you think that they, they went a little bit too far in El Azteca? That night? No, that's always been a thing. You know, and it was a talking point early on in this pod when we started way back that um, Mexico had lost their, like, home field advantage and they needed to go to another stadium where they were going to have that uh, a fan support, you know. Azteca, Azteca people, man, they they want the three Gs, ganar. Uh, and if you're not giving them something good, after 15 minutes, they start throwing the rotten tomatoes and, and the eggs. Uh, they seem to turn on the selection pretty quick. And that's all that, that I'd say that's been the case for a really long time. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I, I think, um, I think that whole, you know, because Selection went, I think, like 20 years or something like that. I don't know. They had a very long streak of undefeated. And for a long time, too, they would they would just demolish opponents, uh, especially from Central America, Caribbean. They'll go there. But a lot of these teams, they learn how to play at Azteca. You know, they learn how to, like, combat the altitude, travel that day off or travel two days ahead and stay at X plays, you know, they, they kind of figured it out. Uh, and then a lot of the seleccionados, you know, aren't used to play there anymore. A lot of them are in Europe, so they come back and they're like, you know, it's, it's going to affect them just as much as the opponent. Uh, but yeah, the whole fans turning on, that's, you know, that's been going on for a long time. I don't know why 
FMS, like a dead set on Azteca, Azteca, you know? I don't know if there's some contract. I don't know what's going on right there. Yeah, I mean, I think for, uh, unfortunately, a long time now, Yano Pesai, you know, it's... Azteca used to be an intimidating place to go to. You, you, you started to tremble, start shaking your boots when you found out you had to play in an Azteca, and it just doesn't carry that same weight anymore. Um, not sure if it's correlated with just the way Mexico has been performing in the last, like, 10 years. But, you know, the fan is fickle. You know, they'll start out, uh, you know, before the match, singing the national anthem, making it roar in there. You know, first couple minutes, you start doing the ole and the wave and the cielito lindo. And then, you know, as soon as it didn't really last long because seven minutes in, Jamaica scored. And immediately, you know, the crowd just got very, very uh, upset and aggressive. Orbelin Pineda tied it up 17 minutes later. But then a known goal by Edson Alvarez. And, you know, Ochoa again booed out. And it's just like, all right. You know, it's time to change venues. You know, we already spend most of our matches outside of Mexico, right? Like, they rarely have matches in Mexico unless it's an official, like, tournament. But for the most part, like, they've had a lot of friendlies in, in the United States. And I, I do think it's time for them to, you know, rotate it. Maybe go to Monterrey, where the fans, like, pay yeah. top dollar and have really good attendance. That's another thing, too. I think... It should be awarded to the to the venue that has the best attendance in regular season, and if I'm not mistaken, I think that's Tigres. I think Tigres have some of the best attendance in regular season, so I think they need to start rewarding stadiums that way, and that that way you can encourage like you know fans uh, to go and and support their team. It's true. It's true. I, I mean, I'm guessing the whole Televisa angle because they own a stake up. Well, they own. Do they own? Do they own the stadium? Can't remember. Um, but that's that's kind of been their home base, and I guess their whole production thing is already set up. I think I would say that kind of plays into it. They have already their studios and whatnot. Everything set up for them, pre-game, post-game. So what you're trying to say is they have a nice spread in the suites. That too, man. They get they get the juiciest pick, you know. Um, so I I would say that that's part of it as well. But you would well, we should want to see some pressure from the other club owners and 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 in this regard, or at least what their take is, because yeah, we haven't really seen. Like, think when's the last time Mexico, you know, put the herd on a team at Azteca? It's a good question. Like in an official match, right here, like off the top of your head, can you remember? Like, I remember they beat the U.S. in 90, 93, no, 90, 90, what was it, 90? Damn, wait. Well, the, uh, I think the Gold Cup? The, the Azteca, you know, that's, that started to happen with Chepo's uh, tenure. Oh, wrong. Come on. <laughs> Come on now. No, it's true. I mean, that's that's when you started to see. That's when you really started to see the the the, the opposing team playing the bunker. No, Bora, go back to Bora. Back. Go, you go go back to '96. Uh, Bora Milutinovic and Costa Rica no, tied no, them three three. 
Uh, no. The U.S. took out a draw from there. What about Ojitos, Ojitos Mesa? I mean, wasn't the Aztecaso oh, during... Dude, he was still, he was still beating teams. Like, even Ojitos Mesa was still beating teams like, you know, like Panama and stuff like that. Six, six nothing, seven nothing. You know, Trinidad and Tobago, seven nothing and stuff like that, you know? I'm going to have to pull the numbers there, Ron. Wait, but the Aztecaso was under Ojos, no? Ojitos Mesa? Yeah, that was. <laughs> it was in 2001. Ron's narrative falling apart. There's two, see, and, and you, you're blaming my Chepo there, dude. Nah. <laughs> that is, that his start was bad. He's his like, his start was bad, but. You can offend yeah, my mother, but don't don't talk about Chepo. <laughs> Ron, what's going on there? Sounds like you're. He's underwater. He's diving. He's like SpongeBob. <laughs> Ron sounds like he's uh, swimming in it right now. What, what is, what's going on here? Here, all right. Oh, there you go. All right. No, but no, that I, that's when I noticed. You know, the teams really oh, much better. How, how to uh, adapt to playing Mexico at the Azteca Stadium? Yeah, and, and Chapel was just too stubborn. You know with how he planted the games and stuff like that. So, I mean, that's kind of like, but I think it's a combination of many things because prior to La Volpe, you know, remember after La Volpe, that's when you started to see more players play in Europe. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, those guys were playing, you know, uh, you know, that's when you had Salcido and Maxa and Osorio and Pardo and stuff like that after La Volpe. So, I mean, you started to have more players playing in Europe and then, you know, having to come to Mexico to play, you know, friendly or, or World Cup qualifiers, it's like they were also, you know, exposed to the same, you know, uh, disadvantages. Yeah. Advantage, disadvantages of playing, you know, playing in the heat, uh, playing in the altitude. All yeah. that stuff. Well, the, well, the heat too, Ron, because of the TV, they, they took away those midday games and now they're all at night. Yeah. That's another thing, too. We don't even play, like, to our advantages anymore. Yeah, it's a sad thing. And, you know, my question to you guys is, we have a couple of matches coming up against the United States. One of them is a prestigious cup hosted by all states. We know how prestigious that is. And then the other one is going to be in the Nations League semifinal. So... Do you think, depending on these results, would Diego Cuca be uh, like uh, kicked out the door if we happen to get embarrassed by the United States? I, I think they're holding him until the Gold Cup. I don't think they'll put him for that one. But but I mean, you said embarrassed. So embarrassed would have to mean they wash Max. Like they completely dominate, and you know, like complete embarrassment. Just losing. It's it's also how how did you lose, right? That the last those games and it was like very even games um games where even Mex could have won had they had they been uh you know had better strikers um but you know losing losing on a, on a golden goal on a on um penalties I, I wouldn't say that's embarrassing yeah i think the match maybe not in april doesn't really hold much weight, but getting eliminated in the semifinals of the Nations League, I think <laughs> might do him in. Yeah, but, it's, but it's the U.S. It's not like 
it's it's you know, and it's a team that's been pretty even with Mex for a long time. Hey, I was telling you guys, that's time Mexico you lost three games. Them. You lost three games to the U.S. You lost, you know, technically two were draws. And you know, the last time I was it when when's the last time Mex um really beat the U.S. like put like that gold like cup the final zero under Vasco, and then the four two under Capo. And then and we then had a what, we had a two zero against when we had um. Uh, no, it has to be more than Osorio. two goals, man. It has no, to it was, be... but it was any nights. It was in uh, Columbus. That was a pretty big win. Well, yeah, because the first time winning there, mm-hmm. winning that, yeah, yeah. But if you see the results, it's been pretty even. Uh, so I mean, I, I I don't know why it's you know. All of a sudden, it's it was suspected of Max to just completely steamroll over them, and if it, it doesn't happen, the team's not doing good, or they cut up, or they're gonna surpass, and that seems to be the narrative. But it's, it, you know, it's further from that. Those are must, which must win matches for the Okoka. If he loses both of those matches, I I cannot see anyone allowing him to coach much longer than that <laughs> i'm being serious bro like the fans no I, yeah I agree, obviously, I agree. obviously like losing or trying to get jamaica at home like you know you already saw how the fans reacted to that and then losing twice the united states luckily those matches are here in the states right they're, they're not going to be in mexico but still man like i think there are they just, i think i think time is right man because i mean did you guys watch a couple couple of days ago the uh, the uh, picante with uh, with Nacho? We were gonna talk yeah. about that, but yeah. yes, sir. So I, mean, I, I, I just don't think that a lot of people are on board with Coca. You know, I don't think anybody has a you know, I don't think there's a lot of people in the media that are protecting him because that sometimes that was the case where you had certain you know certain you know networks and certain people protecting a certain coach. Uh, uh, and 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 basically do you know carrying their water for them, you know when things you know would go sad, you know uh, sour. I don't see that with Boca, yeah. and I think Hermes right. If he loses, if he loses these two games uh, uh, with the U.S., I, I think they're gonna basically get him out of there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think in, in a lot of, a lot of it, not not so much just because the U.S., but because of you know all the bad stuff, all the bad juju carried over from the. In the previous cycle, it's yeah. already like tied. Uh, it's the black cloud that followed, followed into this one, and so it's the Argentina it, cloud. The Argentina cloud. <laughs> That's true. They brought another like a wicker man. It's like the wicker man. They they just have Tata to burn him, dude. <laughs> that could be. That will be the Olympia. That will be the Olympia Mexico needs, and then they could. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, again, I, don't, I don't, I don't see Coca having that protection in the media, you know. I, yeah. I really don't. Um, and it's funny. I thought it was funny with you know Nacho Ambriz that all you know he he, he forgot to show uh, you know the higher ups his uh, his Spanish passport. <laughs> yeah. 
Hey, Nacho went in, bro. He wouldn't hold back. And uh, that was another thing, too, is like, why now, right? Like, Diego Cuca's not off to a great start. And all of a sudden, you're bringing in Nacho Ambriz to the to the media and trying to put him in a good light. And he's now he has a, a platform to speak. And he's saying that, you know, the Mexican player is complaining and doesn't have the same uh, desire to represent their country. And he was talking about all his, you know, the, his accomplishments and, and how he mentioned that, you know, he, it's just a lot of people are, that he's are, darker are, skinned. Was that? No, but here's the thing: it's not even just about that. It's just right now, Mexican soccer in general, just both at the club and national team, is in decline. Uh, you know, I, I posted, uh, I posted something that what's the name, Fabiana Stais, uh, is, uh Yeah, Fabiana. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it's in like you know he was talking about you know back you know back you know in his day, there was three four foreigners. And that was it. Now you have eight to nine, and you, know, you had that filter, you know, because back then the clubs act, you know, had to really, you know, watch who they were, you know, spending their money on. And and I just and I, I mean he, he was just talking about that, that that you know you don't have that filter because you don't have, it's it's like you just have to quality over quantity. The yeah, the competition, exactly. the competition within the team to maintain your spot, he said, because he said, uh, since there was very little foreigners, there was always the other ones trying to come up, including Mexican players. So he yeah. said you had to bust your balls to to remain there. Yeah, and what we see now is like, they'll bring up to five foreigners and, and, and at and once. Because I, I mean, I've heard, I've even heard people talk like, you know, Carlos Reynoso talk about this. You know, they say that, you know, the media will say that, you know, that, you know, Cuba made, they're good because of foreign players. But Reynoso would say, uh-uh. I said, Cuba America has always had very good, you know, uh, Mexican players. And, and, and they were just complimented by having good, you know, foreign players as well. And I just, I think, I, I just think that right now, every, you know, the, the league is just, they're not scouting properly. Uh, I, I just like I said, I, I just I think it's, it's it's from top to bottom and from bottom up, you know, just things aren't looking good, and it's and it sucks to say. I think all the hard work that you know the league had done in the past thirty years, you know, you know going from like Copa America, like ninety three, going up, it just you know went to shit. Yeah, it's it's become too much of a business. The um, selling the players, and there's yeah. a lot of um. When you say money laundering involved, so the player doesn't even need to be good. No, it's just what they're going to use, uh, and and so that's why we'll see sometimes the teams they'll get all these players, and some of them won't even they won't even suit up. Like, yeah, they're announced, and then I forgot which news outlet, and they had a list of foreigners that didn't even get to put on the jersey, and it was like. Going team by team, um, man. I wish I would have kept that. It's like long list of who, of who. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like everybody was involved. Pachuca, America, Cruz Azul. I mean, these guys. Do you were... remember when they brought um, Gignac? They brought some dude called Enke or something like that. Uh huh. I think he just made the team photo, and that's it. I don't. I never. I didn't see him again, dude. Yeah. It's. He just arrived and then that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of like Jeremy Menez and 
they had some. Well, other- he got to play, but yeah. But I mean, players that didn't even actually step on the field. Yeah, yeah. There was a few. There was like another French player that had joined, and he got like injured, <laughs> and I don't know. He never really played. It was it was weird. Yeah, just one of those things that happens. Um, yeah, so I just like I think I I think there's just a lot of. I haven't seen the league this bad in, in like I said, in in, in at least two decades. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I have a sound clip from uh, Nacho. Let's see if I can play it. Veo que le tengan un respeto a la camisa de Cincio. Dos entradas me enseñaron que éramos generadores de alegrías y tristezas de un pueblo. Y eso cuando te lo metes a la cabeza, cuando te lo metes en el corazón, tienes que salir a partirte la vida. Yo no veo eso. Hoy veo gente que dice. Ah, yo no voy. No me interesa. O veo declaraciones que es que la gente en vez de en vez de criticarnos no nos apoya. La gente está harta de no ver gente que se parta la madre. Si a mí yo no era el entrenador que no lo fui y a mí me requerían para ser auxiliar, yo le entraba. Y a nadie se lo he dicho y no lo saqué a la opinión pública. Yo estaba dispuesto a ser auxiliar del entrenador que fuera para ayudar a México. Y eso que se Es que te rebajas, no, no me rebajo. Porque no es por mí. Hoy, hoy yo quería ayudar a algo que a mí me ha dado todo, Javier. Old school <laughs> man, mindset, you know. Yes, that, that little song though was throwing me off. Oh. So like in Avengers, like Marvel movie opening. <laughs> yeah, you know, TikTok people like to add some flair to it. It's really annoying. <laughs> But, um, you know, Nacho's he's been vocal in the last couple of days about it. And, you know, he, he, I think he he, da- he uh, dug a little bit uh, about what Chicharro said about, oh, you know, like they don't they don't um, support us and all that stuff, like complaining. And like, dude, you have no right to complain about like the fans not supporting you, bro. It's like they have a right to be part of this and have a stake in it and, and be able to be vocal about you know, the performance of the team. And if they don't like something, then, you know, do something about it. That's that's the way I see it. Cue the, uh, viven in un country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do that with it. Compen las mejores minas. Yeah. Manejan de un W para arriba. No, I, I think, I think they... For me, that's almost as bad as uh, as uh, what's his name, uh, uh, Marco Fabian saying, you know, when he was reading rumor that uh, he was doing that press. Uh, oh, que no queremos uh, gritos. Queremos, what was it like? Because uh, like, they hurt, hurt. hurt their feelings yeah. and stuff like that. You know? <laughs> that's almost as bad as that. Yeah, that was yeah. actually really bad. Actually, no, you're right. That was actually worse. <laughs> because I remember when that happened, they started basically, you know, it's like what a what a mental midget. It's like even they need to have a you know they need to have a Layun's mentality, where I mean basically everybody just you know. Got on, yeah, there got was on. a hashtag on him. Yeah, todo culpa de Layun. Yeah. And it's like he needs to have that sort of thick skin and and that sort of mentality where you know what you're gonna have to just overcome. But no, I, I think you know the, the whole thing that you guys need. Look, I, I get it. I mean, he's right. He's right that he said that sometimes the press does play a role, you know, in 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 uh, 
you know, and obviously, it's, you know, most of the time it's for clickbait, but, you know, they'll have a reporter take something out of context or will ask a question, and it's a loaded question with the intent of, of, of trying to stir controversy, right? I get that. I've, you know, I've seen that firsthand, you know. Uh, but that's where I think that's them being professionals, they need to be aware of that and they need and and not succumb to that you know to to play to that game but to say that you know they need to support them the mexican fan is one of the best fans in the world if you really think yeah, about for it real. they travel the most too like the, exactly. for the for the world cup we always are like the top 3 as far as like uh tickets right that, yeah. yeah yeah i mean it's i mean they'll 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 risk they'll risk going to the World Cup and not being able to travel back. I mean, they'll sell their cars. They'll sell their, you know, they'll do anything to go. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Mexican fan is one of the, you know, the best fans in, in that regards. Yeah, funny to talk about Mar Marco Fabian. I saw him the other day playing against uh, Atletico San Luis, and as soon as he came on, they started screaming, Borracho, Borracho. <laughs> Just like, dude, man, that stuff never goes away. Uh, we actually had some Coca Champions League action today. Thanks for um, bringing that up, Ron, because uh, I had no idea that was going on. And Philly uh, got got the best of Atlas today, huh? Yeah. Uh, well, I didn't watch the entire game, but yeah, Atlas was playing a man down, and uh, so I mean they were actually lucky to lose the game one nothing. Uh -huh. uh, so there, that was in Philly. I was actually going to go to the game, but, you know, some things came up, so I couldn't. Um, and then uh, Leon beat the crap out of that team from Haiti. I uh, forget their name. What the Violete? Something like that. Yeah, they beat them 5 nothing. Oh, the Saitanos, man. Yeah, so. I wonder if they'll have the other leg in Haiti. No, they, they actually made a comment about that in the transmission. Now, they're saying that, that Haiti, for the most part, they, both at the club and national team level, they play their, they play games. Uh, they'll they'll go across the border into, into the Dominican Republic uh, and do some of their facilities. Since they're since they have better facilities there than they do in, in Haiti. Mm. Yeah, makes sense. And we have Montagua versus Tigres tomorrow, and LAFC versus Vancouver to finish off the quarterfinals of this very prestigious Conca Champions League. Um, yeah, MLS having issues with uh, adoption because now that they have the Apple TV exclusive rights, um, Apple's worried because they haven't seen people sort of hop onto the app and, and watch MLS matches. Not surprised there. Um, curious to see how streaming services, you know? Yeah, it's fifteen dollars a month, and you know that's very pricey considering I know, that. But it, it, it adds up, and like we talked about this, you know, you know, privately, it's like. You know, it's 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 difficult now to watch the Mexican league. Yeah, you know, it's like you got to get. I, I mean, sometimes, and I just I just think that that's just crazy. It's like Jesus, man. I just I I liked it before, like you know, you know, twenty years ago when you know it's just with the Dish Latino did and exactly boom, you were set. Dish Latino had the jug, man. You can watch everything on that. Yeah, Religa Mekis, Champions, Copa Libertadores. Like it had everything. You didn't have to worry about five, six, six different kind of subscriptions. And yeah, it's it's a shit show now. Curious to see with the with the League's Cup, because that's also on Apple. So 
I wonder if they'll see an influx uh, when that rolls off in the summertime. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, so we're gonna, we're gonna have to find a, a Facebook channel, huh? Like a feed. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all the new heads are uh, using TikTok now. Um, I wanted to get your thoughts on what happened in that Leon America match. Obviously, a lot of controversy with the refereeing and. And there was a fight that broke out, and Larcamon got his got his titty exposed. Like it was pure chaos. And at one point, there was a clip going around on Twitter about the referee kneeing a player in the nuts. Man, what's up? What's going on, bro? Well, I mean, honestly, the play, the ref was provoked, and you can see the footage of him, you know, of the player, um, kind of like. He he he, you know he he basically squared up to uh to the ref, and you could you could see that you know his knee, that he kind of bumped you know his knee onto his knee you know his leg, and obviously the ref responded by you know basically kind of like you know kind of kneeing him you know, uh, I it's a bad look it's a poor look, but honestly I think you know they came back they finally came out with the. Uh, with the punishment, so basically the ref got twelve games. Sheesh. The Leon player got two. Yeah, the Leon player I think got two games, and the coaches also got two two matches. Honestly, I thought that the player should have had. You know, the the player should have gone uh, more because he's the one that instigated. Now, granted, I know that the the ref is supposed to keep a cooler head, but but I mean, if if like let's just say my 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 feeling is this. If the ref got twelve, because technically he's the one, it's upon him to keep a, a, a cooler head, you know. But at least it should have been equal. You what, know what happens to the, like during a match if a referee does that? Like, there's no other referee to give him a red card. Like, yo, you're out, bro. You just need someone in the nuts, dude. Like, <laughs> like you, you've been. No, that's where that's where the. Uh... That's where the, the 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 every game there's always there's always a there's an FMF crew right uh-huh. there's a there's a federation crew right I, I forget the name of the title but basically they're they're there to make sure the game you know you know starts at the time it's supposed to start you know and they they're there to basically check uh, on the teams on the official the official uh, the officiating crew. If there's an issue where, like, let's say, uh, uh, for whatever reason, uh, and, that, and it's actually happened before in, 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 in Mexican soccer, uh, a, a referee getting hurt uh-huh. and stuff like that, and they can't continue for whatever reason, basically then that's where the fourth official will come in and, oh. and, 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 and finish. So in the event, for whatever reason, I don't. Uh, I'd have to check. I'm not sure, but I, I don't think that uh, a ref has ever been uh, like expelled. Yeah. No, but during during the game, I don't think that's ever happened. I'd I'd have to check. I know that. Um, what's his name? Uh, Bonaficio. What's his name? Bonaficio. Oh shit. Oh, he's he's a he's a he's a ref from back in the you know like twenty thirty years back. Bonaficio. I forget his name. He's he's actually on TV every day. I forget what I think he's on, on Fox or he was on Fox. Bonifacio he was so Nunez Vega. Yeah, I think that's the guy. He was he was uh, he was a character man. He was um, you know if you like Google him or, or like look him up on YouTube and stuff like 
that I think he was involved in a couple of those incidents. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. I know for sure if it were to ever happen in, in the world of football, it would have to be in Liga Mekis. We always we always have these crazy chaotic games. No, that, I've, there's, there's actually been some videos of like usually like in Africa or, or oh, like in these. Well, they, they take it to the extreme. They have like guns and shit. Yeah, I just saw one a couple months back where it was actually a, it was actually a women's league. I think it was in Nigeria. <laughs> Nigeria. And uh, the ref basically, you know, he stood his ground, and the next thing you know, he was just getting chased by a by a mob of fucking angry women. Oh my god, dude, <laughs> that is crazy. Yeah. yeah, in the end, that match ended up two two, and I, I don't know what set off the the fight between the two coaches, but um, America's coach said that, "Hey, you can talk about everything, but don't talk about my mother." And then he just walks off. Yeah, I saw that. I'm like, come on, bro. You're just going to, like, you got to give us the sauce. Got to give us the juice. But the flo- the photo floating around with Lacamon and his, sh- you know, his shirt was, like, ripped off and his nipple was exposed. I'm like, damn, what the hell is happening, bro? <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty chaotic. Then we had, uh, that was the warm-up match for the, for the main event. Uh, Atlas versus Chivas. Atlas hosting and it was a pretty pretty good match chivas were up 2-0 at one point and then uh watch jimenez decides to to become the antagonist and make some very like clumsy mistakes and allows atlas to climb back into the match before you know it it's 2-2 and uh the momentum have shifted at halftime then chivas respond again with another goal by alexis vega and the fans decided to throw some beer at him, and he decided to drink it. Uh, very unsanitary. And then Atlas tied it yet again. And Watcho Jimenez in the second half ended up becoming, you know, the savior uh, of Chivas. Had, a, had an incredible second half. I've never seen a, a goalie be, like, so bad and so good at the same time. It's, like, very frustrating to watch. And, yeah, I don't know. It was a pretty entertaining match overall, but uh, yeah, Alexis Vega, man, he keeps having these questions, these interviews, and how he's talking about how, well, you know, I grew up a Cruz Azul fan, and yeah, I went to the matches as a kid, and you know, he's just not making himself like uh, a fan of Chivas, and like a lot of fans look up to him, you know, he's like a favorite favorite player for a lot of fans, and when you say comments like that. Just like, come on, bro. Just stop talking, man. I don't know if uh, Al Pastor has anything to add to that. Yeah, I mean, it's just the reality of modern day footballers. There's no more real love for the jersey. You know, you rarely see that one club man, like when Liga Mekis, you know, with like Chapito Sanchez and players like that. You can tell players are more easily influenced by. Where the money's at, where it's convenient, the cities as well. I'm sure he wanted to make that move from Toluca to Guadalajara just to the lifestyle that Guadalajara offers. Maybe not so much being Chivas. Because I'm sure if he would have made the move to America, he would have said the same thing. You know, this is the biggest club in Mexico. This is where I want to make history, where I want to be remembered as an idol. You know, they're always just being politically correct. But now you get these behind the scenes. And they express their mind, these podcasts, you really get to see 
you know, how they really are. And they're kind of soft. They're just like modern-day players, you know, it's just soft. They don't have that love for the jersey that you expect for them to have. And I think fans have to realize that, too, you know. It's like, uh, like you know, like Manchester United fans, when they had Jesse Lingard and Pogba doing TikToks, bro, you love the club more than these guys ever will. So yeah. just keep that in mind when you're getting pissed at the result. He needs to have, like, a – what do they call those people that, like, coach you before interviews and stuff? Like, a PR person, bro. Like, hey, these are the things that you don't say. <laughs> like, this is going to affect your image. And, I don't know, dude just comes off as not a very intelligent guy. Um, got lucky enough to be become a professional footballer. But, yeah, I'm curious what his, fo- what his future looks like outside of football because uh, this guy's not making the smartest decisions on and off the field. And, you know, when you represent a club like Chivas, like you you can't be talking about alternatives or you can't be talking about any other team within Mexico. You can talk about the other European teams. You know, we won't be as as upset. But when you start talking about like, oh, yeah, well, you know, obviously, like I'm a professional. And if I was to get an offer and it was the only choice I had, like, yeah, I could see myself suiting up. For, like, no, dude, you don't say that. Like, why would you say that? Why would you justify it? Just say no, man. I'm here. It's like I'm here for Chivas, or I'm going to Europe. Like one or the other. That's it. And then if something happens where, you know, Chivas end up selling you, then they're the bad guy, and you're not. You know, but you got to be loyal to your employer, man. That's the way I yeah. feel about it. No, I agree, and I think it's a reflection, like what Ron was saying, like with the Mexican game being in decline. Because, you know, I know Alexis just scored over the weekend, but if you look at Alexis, man, he's kind of been like like this, like. He doesn't really do much. It's a lot of, like, you know, stepovers, gets past guys, dribbles past guys. But as far as, like, goals or assists, like, key games, uh, not much. With Selección, same thing. You know, he's, like, the number of S of Selección. And he doesn't really do much with Selección either. It makes him stand out. You Like, you go from having a Cuauhtémoc Blanco number 10, even a Sina number 10, like, talent that you feel like them literally throw the team on their back. And you're reduced to, like, Alexis Vega, where if he wasn't at Chivas, like, if Alexis Vega was, like, at Puebla or something like Mazatlan, he'd probably still be playing the same level and people wouldn't be that hype about him. I think it's Chivas that gives him that yeah. platform. Exactly. People think that he's that great. When in reality, he's kind of average right now. Yeah, he's definitely average. I will say he's got more, like, tricks up his sleeve compared to Lightness. Like, he can, he can take free kicks and... Yeah, he's a little bit more versatile on that, but I agree. Like overall, his career has been pretty, pretty much average. Hasn't been, you know, outstanding. It's not like he's he's carrying the team on his back anytime soon. If he ends up winning some silverware with Chivas, then you know you might be able to change the conversation. But you know, as far as like, oh, is this guy a once in a generation talent? Like, eh, not really, man. He's like Binya Ariano if he wasn't injured. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Like the way I see it, same thing for him being like the number 10 for Mexico, the World Cup, it left a lot of desire, still leaves a lot to desire. Even and if you win silver with Chivas, he also has to be like an influential part of it. Now, you know, like Pocho and others mm-hmm. carrying more weight than him. Joel, you've been like hopping in and out. Yes. Man. You good? It, I don't know. It booted me, but I'm back. Um, you guys being a bit harsh on, on Alexis. <laughs> I have to defend him. 
He he had... He's a quality number 10, like for Selección, compared to the yes. past number 10s. Well, no, I'm not going to go into the comparison. Um, but I'm going to say, keep in mind, he's been injured. He's been injured for a long time, actually. Okay. And, but do and... you feel like Cuauhtemo, Ocina, those kind of guys, does he give you the same sense no, of security I mean, as those guys? That's I'm the thing, because... because... More says, does he bring yeah. you the same confidence as a fan? No, but but that you know again is the the whole comparison because we got to see a full career of those guys, where this guy still has you know some time to go, and he he has been injured. Um, and I, I um I forgot the player. It's a Chiva player that has a podcast, and he had him on. Um, no, Angulo, yeah, but I'm not hating on Vega because, like, a comment I said before that, tying it in with Ron said, the Mexican game is in decline. Oh, it's not just yeah, a Vega yeah. thing. It's like the Mexican game is in decline. Yes, Blanco had an, an injury for years as well. I'm just saying that confidence that you would get with those previous players, it's just not there right now. Yeah. No, again, well, we talked earlier with the whole not there's not that much internal competition as it used to be. But Vega had said a lot of the same stuff in that in that podcast, but I guess because it's a podcast it didn't, you know, around. But he, he he even said the whole story of how he ended up with the um he ended up with the, the school, um or whatever they're called when he was injured and he said a lot of that stuff. He had already said it. Uh, I agree with too, though. Uh, he he shouldn't say those things. He shouldn't think out loud because then the fans will question his commitment. Um, but Camoranesi had a pretty good breakdown of Alexis Vega where he had those um, during the World Cup. He had the, um, the, to the end show. It was really show, man. Um, and, and they had a lot of different um, former players and managers and Camo was you know, you're breaking up oil yeah you're breaking up pretty bad oil oh. bark twice hey, he's gone <laughs> bark twice if you're Milwaukee <laughs> yeah, he's gone. <laughs> yeah. So I don't personally. I don't see. Uh, I mean, I just see the league until they get back into the South American tournaments. I I just don't see a remedy. Well, I mean, that, that is something you could say, but, I mean, it's very unlikely that it happens anytime soon. What it just seems is they need to put a little bit more emphasis on the sporting aspect. Because, yes, it is a business. Yes, you are investing money. Yes, you're trying to make a profit. We get that. But it seems like right now it's like 95% business, 5% sport. Even if they, you know, brought it down a level, like 80% business, 20% sport you would see a lot more benefit. Because look at the talent pool right now. Like, you know, Watcho sucks. Get rid of Watcho. Bega sucks. He doesn't commit to the team. Get rid of Bega. Who you bring in? 
you take Pochinto Gonzalez from Monterrey, and you take uh, Marcel Ruiz from Toluca, and then who do they get? There's like literally no talent pool right now. It's hard to gauge. It really is very hard to gauge the talent pool because you don't have, like, for example, like, you know, yeah, like, for example, take the game tonight, the, the games tonight. Is, is I mean, is, is, is Philadelphia Union or, or the Violet from Haiti? <laughs> does that really, you know, you don't know where you stand. Like, you know, when, when like, the Mexican team, you know, play over there in Libertadores or Sudamericana or Norte, you, you had it, okay, well, you know what? We're not as good as we thought we are. You know, the, you know, the, the league isn't as good as we thought we are. We need to improve mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And, like, and one of the good things about that is because I never, uh, you know, one of the criticisms of Sud- uh, Sudamericana and Libertadores was the congestion of the calendar, right? Which it, which is true. It was re- it was real. And the traveling too. But that forced that forced the 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 managers and the front office to basically you know to 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 basically you know have having to to uh, to, to to basically manage how the team going to be split up. And you had players. Like coming from the from from like the the reserves, you know that you know they would get some playing time, uh, you know in in the local league, and then obviously the starters would you know would basically you know they would put preference into into the into the Libertadores depend depending I mean that would always yeah. depend, um, because for the first couple of years the teams that were participating. Uh, in Libertadores, they weren't. I mean, like for example, they 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 would they were actually doing poor in the league, but they were doing very well in, in Libertadores. Mm-hmm. And if, if if I'm not mistaken, I want to say it was the, the it was the 2002 America team that was the first team, time that one of the the Mexican league teams uh, was doing well or relatively well in league and also doing relatively well in Copa Libertadores. So, like for that example, that 2002 team. They went. They, they. They. I mean, granted, they. They advanced. Uh, they were the eighth seed, if I'm not mistaken, America, and they went to the finals. That's when they won uh, against Necaxa, but they went to the. They. They. They went all the way to the semifinals uh, of the yeah. of Libertadores. So. So that. So that kind of like gradual. I mean, that after that, that's kind of like you know the other teams. They were. They learned how to manage the, both tournaments a, a little bit more efficiently. So, you know, you would have like, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be uncommon for the team to do well, both in league and in Copa Libertadores, because the Mexican leagues have struggled at first, you know, managing that. When, and were, even, when it, were they first invited to Libertadores? 98. But, oh. but, but in, 98, in 98, they invited Chivas in, in America. Oh. Okay. So that's, that was 98. And then after that, that's when... Uh, uh, that's when um, they after the ninety-eight one. That's when they had it. To, you know, they played those games against the uh, amongst themselves, and then you know, playing against you know the Venezuelan teams for the for the ticket. And if I'm not mistaken, I think it was uh, two thousand three or two thousand four. That's when they no longer had to pay off the Venezuelan you know a federation for their for their uh, for their slots. Because now it was a direct, it was a direct invitation from Comebol. 
from on the request of the sponsor. If I'm not mistaken, I think it was with Rich Jet. No, fuck it. Mm. It's I pretty. Don't know, I don't even know. It's pretty impressive that you know if they were invited in '98 by 2001, they had already reached the final. That's pretty impressive. Well, think about it. That was in '98. In 2000 and in 2000, they already reached the semifinals. I mean, that fucking workers on one day. Fucking, I mean, we were minutes away from making it to the finals, and then and then fucking uh, some way, Walter, some way, the junior player scored in like in the in, 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 towards the end of the game. Oh. And 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 uh, and I think America lost the one game like three nothing or four three one or four one. I don't remember, but because of the goal, you know, uh, goal differential, if I'm mistaken, mm-hmm. they uh, they advance. So that was. Basically, you know, two, you know, two, you know, two, two years into it, they were already reaching the semifinals, and then in '01, Cruz Azul reached the final. Yeah. And then, and then, and then, yeah, 20, 2005, 2006, 2007 of the Copa Sudamericana, in all three in, in, uh, instances, uh, Liga MX went to the finals. Yeah, but you got won the Sudamericana, right? Against Colo Colo, America lost to fucking Arsenal de Sarandi. I was pissed. Yeah. And uh, and and uh, Pumas played a hell of a game also against uh, Boca. Yeah, and Chivas went to back to back semis in Libertadores. Uh, so that was, yeah, that was peak, man, peak. It was it was fun, dude. I, I mean, I, 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 I think I, that's I, important, but I still feel like. Going back to Libertadores, going back to those tournaments, yes, it makes you better and everything. But I feel like that's like the top of the pyramid. Like right now, Mexican soccer doesn't even have its foundation strong. It doesn't have that set. Because that's not even something that you need to make you better if you focus on your foundation or even on your recruiting and your developing. Like look at uh, MLS, Atlanta United. They got that kid on Mada who's like 21, 22. Played for Argentina. He was part of the Argentina World Cup roster. So for him to be at that age, and MLS willing to convince him, like, come here, you'll ball out. You're young. We'll develop you. You'll live a good lifestyle, and then we'll send you off to Europe, like we've done with other players. Liga Mekis is even struggling in that of attracting quality youth players that you know are like being like, come here to Mexico. And then we'll send you off for Europe. They're like bringing in like foreigners that are they're hoping there's an unheard of foreigner youth player that can turn into something. But the fact that, you know, MLS can take your Almiron and send them off to Newcastle and convince them to stop there first. Uh, you know, now with this Almada kid who was at the World Cup with Argentina, yeah. and they convince him to stop there before shipping him off to Europe. You're kind of getting left in the dust in all aspects. And just going back to Libertadores or Sudamericana is not going to solve all those issues of all the basics that are being left behind. You know, using using that as an anecdote as to that MLS is doing things right. Honestly, I don't see them doing things right either. So, so they're making it a little easier for their for their players to go to Europe. That's still not as as far as I can see. That's still not the right way to go about it. No, but it's not their players. They're attracting foreign players that could go to Europe, come here to first. Mexico and, and Mexico and also had, over there. And Liga MX, Liga MX has also had Argentine players uh, um, 
that were you know based on illegal Mexico, you know, going to a World Cup. I mean, that's not that that, that doesn't really say anything to me, you know. No, but yeah, when, it, when it's, it's funny, you know. quality youth. We're talking about now. We're not talking about 10, 20 years ago. I mean, I think the last player for Argentina national team was who? Uh, Nahuel Guzman. He was like second backup goalie for the national team to come out of Liga Mekis. Besides that, you have your Paraguayans, your Ecuadorians, and your Colombians. Yeah. Which are considered yeah. like your mid-level national teams in South America. I, you know what? MLS still is still a glorified Central American league. <laughs> it, 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 I'm sorry, you're you're not you're not gonna. It, it's 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 like what have they won? Nothing. Yeah. They've won absolutely nothing. Well, but the, the, I think that's been the problem that everyone, including myself, has always seen MLS like as a joke. And the whole time is consistently and slowly been improving at things. Whether you want, whether you want to say they're not better than Liga Mekis or Liga Mekis better, whatever the point might be. But the fact that we keep writing them off so consistently and not willing to embrace the good things Wait. they're doing, it's what's going to catch up to you. We we send them another I've been singing that tune for a while. No, here, here's the thing. I'm not. I'm not. They're doing certain. They're they're doing a lot of good things. On the administrative side, I've never, I've never denied that, but, but, but that is just one little small part of the equation. Okay, yes. you're not. The league cup isn't going to do anything for you. The 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 the, the championship is not going to do anything for you. It really isn't. Yes, but what about the resources that America has and the first world resources has as far as equipment, player preparation, from Mexico health, nutrition, all Mexico that as well. Mexico, Mexico has that. Rafa Marquez, when he went back to Leon, and he said they were they would change on plastic chairs. <laughs> but, but keep in mind, Come on now. Leon, you tell me the Leon youth guys have that. No, at Leon, you tell me the youth players have all these access but, that college but Division One schools here, like football teams. Hold, hold on, like, hold on. When when did Leon start to get money? When did they get money? Yes, they, but they pretty much improved once they became part of Grupo Pachuca. Exactly. So, so but before yeah, you know, were... Leon wasn't Leon. Once when they got Grupo Pachuca, that's when they had started to yes, get all the money. They don't and own the stadium. Now all their facilities are like their facilities are top notch. So just about every team in Liga MX now has top notch facilities and stuff. Yeah, like that. Leon. Leon went to second division, and they were pretty much. They were yeah. one of the big clubs. Like, tradition over, and they, they were already under Pachuca. Yeah, but I think they had just started like that. They just, just started. It was just, yeah, it was, it was starting. New. Mm-hmm. It no, was, but the thing was, is that you we're talking about the first team right now. We're talking about from youth level resources. But but you know what the, the resources and I've always say look at Uruguay. Those guys don't really have to. They don't even have proper stadiums. And you go see and you'll see this and I, and I'm going off of players that have made interviews in Liga MX of how, like, they had to, like, you know, tape their soccer cleats and how over here, you know, they would they would get a new pair every so often, you know? So, so stuff like that. So, like, the resources, they help, but it's not the, you know, it's, it's not going to make or break you at the end of the day. 
at the professional level, about 90, 90% of the things have, have you know, facilities and stuff like that that are just as good, if not as you know, better, than what you see in, 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 in Europe, like in the Spanish League. And that's not yeah. me saying that. That's, that's a lot of players. Well, well Camoranesi, Camoranesi said it. Yeah, just he recently. said that when he was at Cruz Azul, they would be in five-star hotels. And when he was playing in, um, oh, damn, I forget the name of his team. When he was in Italy, yeah. Yes, but he was in, he went Kievo, Kievo Verona. Um, he said they would just, you know, it was like low budget, everything. And that was, we were in second division, but then I think they, they or was it, they got relegated. I can't remember. That was years ago, man. That <laughs> was like yeah. 20 years. Um, but, but regardless, I mean, it's all European stuff. And he said, like, compared to Cruz Azul, it, it was like, you know, it was pretty cheap. And you see that in a lot of South American team uh, clubs, too. Brazil and Argentina, where they don't have, like, top-notch. But I, I'm going to agree with you on one point of, of what MLS is doing right, where they started focusing on bringing in younger talent from South America as opposed to bringing in these petardos from Europe because there was like yeah. some some known player. And I remember when Liga MX started doing that too. They did it for a while. They were attracting some but, but, well, top talent. But just, just really quick, uh, let me... Uh, and you even ended up seeing like when they had uh, Chelo Delgado and Luciano Figueroa at Cruz Azul and they both went on to play with the Argentine national team. Um, and you've had, um, there's quite a few. Um, at, at one point, I think Liga MX was one of the leagues with the most uh, national team players from Latin America. At, yeah, at a world. Just, just, just actually today, I was reading this. A Boca, Boca player, what's the name? Uh, he played for America. Pipa, what's the name? Pipa, ben, uh, Which one? Okay. He played for America a couple of years back. He, he 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 said it was on Twitter that I saw. The only thing he cares about is not even the league, Argentina. He cares about Copa Libertadores. Now, when Mexico was playing, the Liga MX was participating in Copa Libertadores. That right there was the selling point. That right there was the selling point for the for the young talent, the ones that weren't going to go to like Barcelona or those top you know clubs in Europe. They were going to go to Mexico. And that was the thing because they knew that they were going to get paid dollars in Liga MX, and they were also going to be able to have exposure uh, with Copa Libertadores. The Conca Champions in, in the in the in the in the League Cup. What does that do? Ron, but Ron, I'm, I'm going to say something here. The Libertadores hasn't been as strong as it used to be because because you know a, a lot of the economy and. and in those countries, they they're just losing players. So a lot of those teams aren't as strong as as the teams. I mean, even better reason for Max to have stayed. They would have had like three cups by now. <laughs> when, when you when you see Paraguay teams winning that tournament, uh, no disrespect, but you know that the quality has dropped a bit. No, it's just Brazil's been better. Let's just put. I mean, let's just be honest. But also. You had you you had River Plate, and one of their most you know one of their you know the you know their golden eras recently. But the Brazilian teams have also been very good you know recently. 
But again, that that was the selling point. Mexican teams playing Copa Sudamericana, playing Copa Libertadores, it, it basically sells itself because then you can get you can attract that that those good players from like Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, you know, Chile, you know. So you can't, you, you, I mean, now in a way, I get it. You're going to have to compete with MLS because guess what? You're basically offering offering the same thing now. Oh well, you know, we got MX, MLS, okay. You may be able to convince some players that say, "Hey, well, you know, it's you know, it's a little safer to live in 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 uh, in, in, uh, in in the United States." But I, I guarantee you, if Mexico is back in Copa Libertadores, that's right there's selling point. Yes, but I think it just goes back to the point I was mentioning. You still need your foundations because you still need to your player development, your Mexican players, be bringing them up, making sure they're seeing consistent minutes at a youth level. But it's not just because you're giving them the minutes. It's because they have deserved it. And then, yes, you need to attract quality talent from uh, South America and other parts of the world. So when they do come in, they make those youth players better because they have to earn their spot to be that quality guy. Right now, you don't have those quality corners like you have back in the day. But at the end of the day, I still think you need to work on your foundations. It's not just like going back to Libertadores is going to make us better at the club level, national team level, and that's it. It's over. No, there's still a lot on the administrative side that we can learn from other leagues. There's still a lot like, you want to talk the Uruguay thing? Okay, Uruguay doesn't have all these resources and look all the talent they send out. What I hear is, how come Mexico has a lot more resources than Uruguay, has a lot more of a population than Uruguay, and can't even produce a tenth of the talent? What's well, yeah, not the, being done right? Well, the point there wasn't, was sort of like... Um, no, no, I get the point, you, but I wouldn't say were, that... My my point with that was not like, oh, you know, Mexico doesn't have the, the U.S. My point is, Mexico, compared to other Latin American countries, is much better off, but it seems that the administrative side is not being done right. That if they were to handle that administrative side a lot better, there would be more talent. So that's why it feels like right now it's 95% no, do, do, do you think Uruguay is, support. Don't do you think those guys are doing shit right, man? In, in South America, they're even more corrupt than the next. Yeah, I mean, not like they're doing things right, man. They're like basically throwing darts. Um, no, but I didn't say I didn't say those guys were doing those things right. Those guys in South America, they're producing a lot of talent because a lot of it comes from the players out of necessity, out of that hunger. Yeah, to get out of there that you situation. go. I can't remember yeah, who right. was the player, the guy who plays for Manchester United, Anthony. They asked him what his dream was to win Champions League or to win the World Cup. He's like, my dream was to get my mom out of the favela. I accomplished yeah. my dream. I'm done. So yeah. my point is that, let's be honest, not everyone in Mexico is rich, but there is those resources there. It is the most important sport of the game. You think with having the resources, that they were managed a little bit better and a little bit more emphasis on, we need to take on talent away. instead of money, you could produce maybe not the same quality of players because they don't have that hunger, but you should still be able to produce something decent. Oh yeah, but well, I think the, with the lack of the lack of production has been lack of opportunities. That's basically it. Like so, if you see Uruguay, was one thing that's going on. They don't really have foreigners. It's just the local talent. So that's a lot of players getting a lot of playing time. 
Um, but same, you know, same of all those leagues. Even with coaching now in, in the Nacho interview, he talked about in second division, he was the only me- the only foreign coach. There's a whole second division in Spain. And so you don't really see that in Max, you know, you, you have um, foreigners, uh, you know, like in second division is still taking up spots, which is one of the moves they want to do now uh, with, the, with the rules. They talked about a, not rules format where they're going to combine um, like what under 23s with the Liga de Ascenso. And then they're going to do it so that they can only be three foreigners. And I do, and if they do that, I do think we'll see an influx of new players pretty soon because that's it's basically just what you need, just playing time. I, I, I've i seen, like, I've gone to second division games in Argentina. Man, they were horrible. And a lot of these dudes, they just keep playing. In two, three years of just playing and playing, they end up getting better. That's, you know, that's just... Uh, like what is it that uh, ten thousand hour rule? Like the more you practice something, the more you you know you're bound to get better at it. And it's that's the same thing. And and just Max doesn't have. They took away all those opportunities just because the whole business of of selling foreigners. And you, and I do I will say it's tied to to money laundering, but that's how a lot of these clubs stay afloat. So I mean the player doesn't even have to be good. You're just going to use them to sell them and everyone made money. I think the problem with Liam Mekis, it's not exclusive to Liam Mekis. You, you've seen like the globalization of the sport. You've had issues with like Madrid, right? Lining up without a Spanish player. The Prem League, obviously, one of the most competitive leagues in the world. And a lot of those clubs, I mean, their starting lineups don't even have that many Englishmen. So it's like, you know, this isn't just a Liam Mekis problem. No, and it's funny you you mentioned England because obviously their league is loaded with foreign players, but yet the English team can still field a decent a, a decent uh, you know team, and and that's you know and that's in part because you know their starting lineup, their guys are playing you know important games. They're playing they're playing in the Champions League or the Europa League or whatever you know, and. And that's in, in in many ways England, the English system, and the Mexican system. I mean, they, there's a lot of similarities because their league, you know, import a lot of players, and you know, their their players are are, are like you know how they say that the Mexican players is uh, is overvalued. And stuff like that, because I mean, we, we you know we have a higher price tags in Mexico, and um, and I just I just think that the really the one thing that Mexican you know the Mexican uh, player needs is basically to be playing and more. And that's one of the one things that I did agree with Osorio was that you know the Mexican player needs to be playing more important games now. You could argue, okay, Champions League. You can order. You can argue, you know, the the, the European, the Europa League, and stuff like that. But for me, I'd put I'd put Libertadores and Sudamericana there because because I, I think you know you know Osorio was correct that that you need you need to have those players play in those situations day in and day out. 
And that's, yeah. and that's, and that's where I, that's where I have seen the decline of the league because we're not exposing our players to those situations. You know, and I think one of the reasons. Now, keep in mind, you know, we were, you know, we were basically, you know, uh, forced out of Copa America in, in 2011 because of Jack Warner and Chuck Blazer, and then also obviously they forced us out of Copa Sudamericana. But 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 it was our own doing. It was the league's own doing of getting out of uh, of, of uh, Copa Libertadores, and that was a mistake because finally when you got finally when Jack Warner and Chuck Blazer were out of the picture. There was a need, like a change in, in mentality, because the idea was obviously getting you know the, the World Cup back in, in, into Concacaf. So, so basically, the, the mentality, the mindset uh, <coughs> was to basically create, not, and I understand it, right? and I get it, to create to create a, a, a league in North America that can compete with the best in the world. Um, I'm okay with that, but. When I, when I started to notice that they weren't serious about that project, because if you're, the, if you're really serious about creating the best or at least one of the best leagues here in the, you know, here in, the, in, in North America, meaning, you know, like, you know, like maybe a possible merger between League MX and you know, the Canadians in the U.S., okay, I get it. But that means you're not selling off your, your prospects to Europe. You're keeping your best players here. And you're attracting, uh, and you're attracting, you know, the best players from, you know, South America and, and Africa and Asia and stuff like that. So when I noticed, when I noticed that that, you know, that MLS, you know, like, you know, like for example with Pepe, I mean, they were, you know, they were basically jigging in their pants. Dude. Oh my God, you sent them to some what third rate drinking pool? Like really? Mm-hmm. That's that. Mm-hmm. You should, I mean, that's something to be proud of. Set, you know, sending, you know, one of your prospects, you know, to, to some, you know, third rate German team. Yeah, and how's that working for him? <laughs> and, and that's and that's kind of like when I realized, you know what? Uh, nah, never mind, dude. You know, fuck you guys. I said, you know what? Let's 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 go back to the Libertadores because we can't. You know, here's the thing: you're not going to create you're not going to create one of the best leagues in the world exporting your best players. <laughs> but, you know, with the whole England thing, like you guys want to talk, we're mentioning. Yeah. That's what I was trying to point out. It was like the whole administration, if it was improved a little bit, it would be a lot better. So, you know, Gareth Southgate, he's the coach of England right now. But yeah. Google Gareth Southgate, your kids, your say. Is this program when he... So Gareth Southgate, he used to be the head of elite development. And this guy used to be the national development manager for the FA. They created this program and they got it approved by 75% of the English FA. And basically what they did is any team under 13 was no longer doing 11 versus 11 because they realized that Spain, France, and Italy, they do not play 11 aside until the under 14 level. So they completely revamped the whole system where, you know, players were, it was teams of five, seven, or nine, depending on their age. And then they went and overhauled the club academies, putting like rules in place that they had to follow for the betterment of the English players. So Southgate starts that plan and he makes sure that plan is followed through. It gets approved by 75% of the FA. And now who's the coach? All those academy players that came through that plan, who's the coach at the top of that team now? Southgate. So that was my point, that it's something that's being a decision is being made. 
and is having a follow through through it because they saw it was a problem. Mexico knows there's a problem with the teams, with the U teams, and all those things. Pero mientras los partidos moleros keep selling, as long as the team keeps making it to the World Cup, as long as things keep, you know, so and so, that's all right. It doesn't matter. What, what problem with the youth team? They just won. They just won one of their divisions. I mean, just because they had one, they didn't even have a bad tournament. They had like one bad game where they missed like six penalties. And then that game happened to be two qualifiers and one. So what I mean by the problem with the youth teams is the disconnect. I know the youth teams are successful at the youth level. It's the disconnect from translating it from youth level to a higher level. That's the problem with the youth teams. You but can what do you mean? The, but you, that, you but could win all the U20, all the U20 Wait. World Cups you want. But the problem with the U teams that the owners have is that they don't give them the opportunity to translate that to a higher yeah, level. Yeah, but, but that's not a problem with the under-20 team. That's a problem at the club level. It's, unreal. it's unrealistic. It really is very unrealistic to take a group you know, like let's say you start them at the 17 or 15, then and then the 17, and then the 20, and then the 23, and then the, the first team. You know, when when you start that when you start that generation of like let's say 20 players, in reality, you're you're you're. I mean, if you can if you can retain at least you know anywhere from you know two to three, great. You know. Yeah, no, I could that run because I've because done number, I've done the numbers. No, I'm not saying that you take a team that's successful at the U16 level and the majority of that team has to become pros. No, what I'm saying is you're seeing a lot of positive results with different teams at different levels, and there's no, like, streamlined process. It's like whoever makes it, makes it, kind of. There's no follow-through, no nothing. You have players like the one who was at Pachuca and then went to France and uh, had his ACL, the... Oh, it's the Pizuto. What's Pizuto. his name? Yeah, that's right. You know, it's like players like that. Like he was like, what? What you win? Like top three of the yeah, World what Cup the fuck or happened tournament to that guy? Then? And then you forget about him. There's no follow through with him. No nothing. Uh, same thing with that Martin Galvan kid. When he went pro with 15 with Cruz Azul, and then they just disappear. There's no nothing. That Espericueta kid, who there's a lot of hope for. Same thing. Just fell through. Now he plays Sunday League. Obviously, there are a lot of decisions that are dependent on these players, but it just seems like the ones that are supposed to be, quote-unquote, your stars, the most promising, that there's not even a follow-through to at least put them on that platform. Because well, it doesn't... There's a lot of factors that play into that. You know, uh, you know, believe it or not, even puberty plays a factor into it. Yeah. Your body changes. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember, like, if I'm not mistaken... Like I remember, what I think I think if I'm not mistaken, I think it was Gringo Castro, because all of a sudden this guy comes up out of nowhere, and, and like I remember, you know, in fact, I'm almost positive it was him talking about this that, you know, his his path to like to the to, to the first team wasn't very you know, normal to say that you know, hey, you know, you're a star, you know, on the 15 or, or like on the under 12 team or or, or, or the, they, I think they did it they did it by generation like you know the 89 you know. The '94 or, or the, the years that they were born, right? So he was basically saying that that he 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 just you know he was just an average player, and then just it, it, it almost kind of like happened overnight where you know things changed for him. 
and stuff like that. So that it's 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 really hard to to, to determine who who's going to make it and who's not going to make it. No, I agree yeah. with what you're saying, but like the answers you guys are giving me is the answers I would expect from the directivos. Hey, you know it's our control. There's puberty. There's a lot of things we can't control. My point is, I'm not saying take 30 players and come out with 30 elite players. If you give the proper follow through to 100 of them and you get one elite, that's a success. Because remember, on yeah. the field, there's only 11. So if you have yeah, one elite me. guy for 11, that's a success right there. Yeah, it's really. just follow through for all these promising quote unquote players. That follow through is not there. They said that uh, Tuca didn't like young players, so that's why he didn't expect Iqueta a chance. And that Tuca said that he wasn't ready. Why didn't no one say, all right, Tuca, you don't think he's ready? Nothing. Let's send him someone else that is better with youth players. Let's send him to Pachuca. This is one of our more promising players for the future. So it seems that well, you can connect with Liga Mexicans and FMF. No, it's, it's – these guys well, get spotted early on, on and, and they're, really, they're really good players. By 17, you they already know. By 17, Marquez was already getting called up to the senior national team at 17. Uh, so a lot of these players by that age, they're already, you know, they'll make their whole way up there and, and the scouts are anyone that the least amount, they, they'll stand out. So what happens is that we kind of like to translate that success of the youth you know, almost into thinking that they're ready, and which is we saw with Marcelo Flores. Always, he has a good game at that under twenty Arsenal. Put him in the national team, and it's like he can't even crack it into the first team. Why you want him in the national team playing the World Cup match? You know, so it's that whole mentality. But it, it's a numbers game at the end of the day. So we just talked about it. If there's not that many teams, you know then less opportunities to play. So right. that's kind of the reality of some of those guys. They weren't able to beat some of the guys that were already there that didn't go to a World Cup, a youth World Cup, or called up to the national team, but they're way, you know, they're they're taking their spot. They're, they're better. Like uh, the goalie, I like to use the goalie example now. We had the Chiwa goalie, right, goes to Portugal. He's there for like, what, two years, whatever, returns to Chivas. And he's he's fighting for a spot for a dude that was at Tapatio. And it's like, what, you know? No, I, I get it. No, and uh, no, I, I get. I mean, I get what you're saying, you know. Uh, but but even like you know, using Tuca, Tuca, I get it. He's I mean, he's always had that that you know, like he was always against, or he always you know uh, spoke. I, I wouldn't say bad, but like you know, like for example, the the, the what was it, the twenty something rule? What was it? Yeah, twenty eleven. Well, Nacho talked about it too. If you guys from the from his meeting, I mean, I mean, I can understand the argument that that hey, it's the first division is not you know the the, the role of the first division is not to provide players to the national team. It's to get, it's, it's to get you know the, you have the best players, of, or, or, or to develop players. I mean, that's that's kind of like a. It's it's you know in an ideal world you know obviously you'd want that, but you know it, it's going to be hard. It's going to be like you know you know because you, you're right. All those players like Espedi Cuesta and and like all the players like that won the 2005 you know World Cup over there or uh, you know Youth World Cup and in, in, in what's the name of in, in Peru, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, really like out of all, 
from that generation, the ones that did well, I mean, Giovanni Dos Santos, Carlos Vela, Hector Moreno, um, and uh, you thought for a while that, you know, what's his name, El Torito guy from, you know, America, uh, there was two players from America, what's his name, uh, El Paleta Esqueda, El Torito, I forget his name, um, I mean, I honestly thought that, you know, just about all those players were going to, you know, were, were going to be standouts. But unfortunately, I mean, really, you only had four, four or five players at most that, you know, that were able to have good careers. I think the problem is we put too much weight on these prospects, right? Like, it's just, yes. un- it's too much and it's unrealistic. And another problem is this is a numbers game. You need to be pu- yes. pumping out as much of these people as possible and you know hope that you you know out of 100 you get one but that's the, that's the problem we don't even like the funnel is so small we, we, we pumped them up remember the 99 uh, youth world cup where they beat you know we, we, you know uh Argent, you know mexico beat argentina what was it like four nothing yeah. you know just about you know oh i know what happened there ron they 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 sell it they went to celebrate that <laughs> yeah. massive win it was in Nigeria. Yeah. And they went to a, and then they shut the bed to a house of ladies of ill repute. <laughs> <laughs> and they were drained of all their energy. And then Japan just mopped the floor with them. <laughs> I yeah. was like, what do you... Well, I remember watching that game and I was like, what's going on? Is Japan that good? Dude, is, is Japan... Is, is, is Japan was just... Dude, Max just... These guys look tired, man. Like, they just look slow. <laughs> And and they robbed us, dude. Cause uh, and by they I mean the players for Andalde, Pito Locos. Uh, <laughs> Japan ended up playing Spain, and that was I think that yeah, that was the Spain with uh, Javi and Iniesta there. Oh, uh, but then yeah, Spain goes on and they just they massacred Japan. Dude. <clears throat> that generation, that '99 generation. I mean, I thought there was gonna be more players that you know, that were gonna have, you know, that were gonna be standouts. Cause I mean, we had. I mean, we thought that Osorio, uh, you know, Danny Osorio and Vitorino, what's the name? Cesario Vitorino Jr. I mean, but unfortunately, like I said, it's, it's, you're right, it, it is a numbers game, but I'm still of the opinion that, that the, that, man, you know, managing both the Libertadores and the, and the league, you know, even though it was tough, there, there was always a silver lining that it, it forced the team to manage the, the roster a little better, and it gave you know the players, it gave the younger players or the or, or the more inexperienced players more experience. Yeah, an, an opportunity to step in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we kind of saw that with the rebirth of Copa Amekis. Like a lot of yeah, teams would right. just use their B side and. You got to see a lot of uh, reserve players get minutes in that, so I mean, I, I was hoping that that would do that would help, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's the problem, you know. Liga Mekis, like, let's be honest, uh, you know, they play once a week. Sometimes they have double jornadas, but for the most part, you're you're playing every seven days, and that's not enough time to rotate the squad and, and give everybody minutes. You know, you got to take advantage of like international friendlies. Um, and that, you know, they, 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 uh, schedule friendlies for, you know, in that, in that time when it's a FIFA break, but,
But apart from that, man, like there's, you know, with Liga Mekis, there's just one cup and that's it. You know, I think if Copa Mekis was around, um, you'd be able to, yeah, to take can at least get rid of it. Yeah, it's really annoying. Yeah, they should have more tournaments. We talked a long time ago, uh, me and Ron, about they should have like the, um, what is it, around the FA Cup where even the amateur teams can compete. Yeah, that would be tried that. They tried that back in the 70s. What happened? It's just it, it didn't really come to fruition. <laughs> well, see, with some of these, you just keep doing them, you know? And it's like, I don't know what they're expecting. Like, what, to get it right the first try? Well, I mean, honestly, like, for example, they, I, I kind of knew that Copa Mexico was going to be doomed from the beginning because, I mean, what's the point of having Copa? I mean, the whole thing of Copa is, 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 is single elimination. Right, so there, to have group in the Copa is kind of like defeats the purpose. So it's you just, I, I don't know. It's like uh, I think it's just to guarantee think, matches for the you know the smaller clubs, right? Like you you look at teams in the Liga de Expansión, it's not just like you have one shot and that's it, you get eliminated. Like for them to be in the group stage and get a chance to play twice. But, but I mean, it, it, but but here's the thing though, what. You already have you already have the league. Okay, technically the league, you have a, a regular season and then you have a playoff, right? Yeah. So, so if you're going to do the cup, you know you, you don't need to make it. You don't need to basically make it into a, a, the same format or similar format where you have group and then and then you have group play and then you have the knockouts. I said you know the cup should have been single elimination from the very very beginning. Yeah, I think I, mean, I think the difference the though is the the volume, right? So like you have maybe eighteen Liga Mekis teams, and then I mean, how many are from Expansion right now? I think they, there's maybe like between twelve. I don't know how how big Liga the Expansion is right now. So I mean, there's not that many clubs, you know. So, so like for example, like look at like the FA Cup. It's the, the third round, which is in January. That's when. That's when. The premier sheet, uh, yeah. premier league, they come in, they come into play. But basically, the 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 four or five months before, it's basically from the lowest yeah. lowest part of the football pyramid, yeah. and it starts gradually, gradually. You know, like you're going from like you know division nine, division eight, division whatever, yeah. and then and then you get, and then you get to the professionals, mm-hmm. which is basically you know the, the fourth. Well, technically it's the fourth division, but I think it's I forget what it's called now. It's uh, uh, yeah. League Two, yeah. League Two, League One, whatever you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that. So, I mean, and, and well, that's I, that's I'm a difference that. too. Is in England they have so many clubs, man. There's like every country, every city has a club. But that's because of the culture. They have a, yeah. I mean, they have a culture that we don't. But and but like that's what like oh that's what I was saying. That's what I was hoping that Copa America would do was you know be a a, 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 a true knockout tournament. Where it's basically like random, like you know, it's a random seeds, and then you know, like let's say, okay, hey, uh, Cruz Azul, they're gonna play, you know, uh, Nayarit, whatever, and Cruz Azul is gonna have to travel to Nayarit. Yeah, you know. So I mean, that's kind of like what I was hoping for, but you know, it is what it is. Yeah. Instead, we get Leagues Cup, which is in the summertime. Not sure how it's going to work. We do have our number one fan joining us tonight. Um, you're on mute, but you know, feel free to speak up, Ricardo. 
Uh, really quickly, I'm going to go to the YouTube chat. We have uh, Giovanna saying, just dropping in to say I enjoy the podcast. Good night. We always appreciate it. All our <laughs> listeners. Good evening. Yo, what's up? Gentlemen, how's it going? You know, it's going. Dude, you're just chilling, buying some America tickets. America is <laughs> so cup. humongous. The biggest team in the world that it has Chiermanos, like Al Pastor watching MLS. <laughs> <laughs> this, I, I never thought I'd see the day. <coughs> well, once again, America proves. <coughs> Excuse me. Once again, America proves it has the most lethal offense in the league, man. That guy that kicked the ref should have got a red card, and we, <laughs> everyone would be singing a different tune right now. America is a Russian roulette, man. It, it wins and it dies by its offense. Deer hunter style, you know? <laughs> and And... And then you reflect, then the, on the opposite end, you got Chivas, who's coddled by the media <laughs> with the mediocre defense that's overhyped. You, you saw that, that game disgusted me, man, when they played Atlas <laughs> on Saturday. No defense. I thought I was watching an MLS match. <laughs> no, no wonder El Pastor watch, uh, watches MLS now. It reminds me of his Chivas. <laughs> That that ass spanking that America gave Chivas made him quit. <laughs> oh, and I, I wanted I wanted to rebuttal something. Yeah, I, I'm tired of hearing. I'm tired of everyone drinking the MLS Kool Aid, man. It's it has the coloring, but it's missing the sugar. It tastes nasty. <laughs> it's it's it's. It's forced. It's not authentic. Everything's fake about it. Ron Cron made a great... I, I love that point he made. <laughs> Excuse me. MLS doesn't know what the hell it wants to be. You, you watch the media. Is it, next, is it a glorified Ajax sending all the players to Europe? Or is it, of top, or is it trying to be a supposed top five league? Yeah, it, it, and it doesn't have any of its domestic players in it, like Ron says. So how exactly are you building a, a like, why why is Liga MX wasting its time with this crap? Libertadores should be the way, but we already know the FIFA gate has these guys under. That's why they're they're in cahoots with MLS. And. I'm, and, I'm hoping. I'm hoping that after the 26, you know, the 2026 20, World Cup, where like the relationship, you know, the honeymoon, you know, is over. I'm hoping. I'm hoping that the league, you know, comes to their senses and say, you know what? Sorry, man, this isn't working out. You know, the whole, you know, leagues cup and and, and campeones cup and, and stuff like that. Because ultimately, I mean, the the one good thing about it is that you still have the press. Like the, you know, the more influential press, like you know the guys from Picante and La Última Palabra and stuff like that, that they're constantly, constantly saying, "Hey, 
We need to go back to the Libertadores. We need to go back to the Libertadores. We need to go back to Copa America. So, I mean, uh, I'm hoping that they're more vocal. Um, I mean, that's my hope. You know, I'm hoping that that those guys, the ones that really can influence, you know, and, and, and basically have the ear of the front office people, you know, I'm hoping that they're, you know, more vocal about, about, you know, getting back into those type of tournaments because ultimately I think that's when Mexican football was was at its at its, at its peak. But they're again, not gonna come to their senses at all. I mean I, I, Look, I'm gonna read to you right now. Uh, so MLS they dropped this article Leaks Cup one oh one and it says what is the you know the thing what is Leaks Cup? And it says it's USA versus Mexico, MLS versus Liga Mekis. Liga Mekis wants to desperately copy many of the business models and business practices in MLS, and they want to learn from these lucrative practices. So mm-hmm. the Liga Mekis incentive was money and the exchange of business practices, which leads to more money. That's coming from MLS. Huh. They're not hiding it. It's coming from an article written by MLS. They're not coming well, to no senses. They got Mekis knows why they're in it. They're in it for well, the what, what business practices are those? Having billionaire owners? Yeah, I don't know what the business practices are. Using NFL are, stadiums? The, the, the final sentence that says that results in money leading to more money. That's how like, they finished can you, it. Can you post that article? Uh, so I saw it on the, like, it's an app. So I don't, let me see if I can post the link. Because it's on, it's on the app. Did you read that on El Futbolero? I can send you a screenshot. No, it's on El Futbolero. No, that thing is trash. So it's on the St. Louis City. So the St. Louis City is an MLS team. It's on their app. So they wow. all, you know, all the clubs post the same article. Damn, bro, this guy's deep so, into the MLS. So here, all they're the- not. <laughs> you can stop hating. He, he, you know, um, just to just to add to Al Pastor, it was about a year or two ago with. Uh, the former Liga MX president Bonilla did travel to New York, and he met with a lot of the the higher ups to study the league. But what are they uh, studying, Joel? Well, every, different things. I mean, every, it's, every... it's more in marketing and in just how they structure the league. Because think about it. Ultimately, they're gonna have to do some changes just because it's changed the way we watch football and it's all becoming streaming now. And and the, the complaint, and we talked about this last podcast, was how difficult it is now to watch to watch games. Uh, it's not as, as accessible as before. And so I, I think that's going to cost a lot of these. Um, it's going to cost them money, you know, and, and they're in it for money. So ultimately they're going to want to do something where they maybe package the whole league you know, and you could be buying the whole league IMX and in, in Apple TV or something like that. Uh, so right now it's very fractured, but I'm, I'm thinking they're they're trying to find something that will satisfy everyone. But you know what? At the, you know, they can go and have as many meetings with the NFL, with Major League Soccer. It's really pointless because it's unless the M- league IMX owners all agree to basically, you know, kind of like the NFL owners and MLS owners where 
that they all have to agree, like with the collective bargaining rights, the TV rights, all that type of stuff. You know, what 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 what, uh, what else is there to learn from that? Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. You're talking about business. No, I get that. I, 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 I get that, but you, but the thing about it is, one of the things that's been painfully obvious, you know, at least for me that I've seen in, in the last at least two, three years, is that those staff within the Liga MX, you know, the group of the Liga the Televisa group, <coughs> the Pachuca group, the Dorteños, all that type of stuff, it's like, it's like WWE, you know? And unless these guys all, you know, you know, say, hey, look, let's just put our, let's put aside our differences and, and let's all try to work for the greater good here. You know, like, well, man, we're going to have to sacrifice at the beginning. But ultimately. No, I mean, look, the way I will put it at the end of the day is business. I do agree with what Ricardo is fake. Like being like in an MLS like game, like in the stadium and everything. Motherfuckers don't even know what an offsides is. They're complaining <laughs> about fouls that they shouldn't be complaining. It's just like embarrassing. It's terrible. All the chants are the same. All the teams have like the dale, dale, campeon chant. People don't even speak Spanish, but they're just copying all these. It's almost like Liga Mekis too copied a bunch of the porras from Argentina to make it quote unquote more passionate. Well, they're doing the same thing here. Oh, they're copying they, everything they brought, from the West Coast. They actually West brought, Coast, brought it from Mexico. <laughs> But the thing about it, I had said this before, uh, Fiorentino Perez from Real Madrid president, he said he wanted to create the Super League because the NFL makes more revenue than the top five soccer leagues in Europe combined. So the way I see it from Mexicans is LAFC is worth a billion dollars. They're valued a billion dollars. Liga yeah. Mekis owners are probably looking at it. Hey, yes. if, if we really buy into their thing that MLS is going to be one of the top five leagues in the world, Who's going to be one of their partners right there, ready, ready to cash in? Who's no, going to be get, one of I the quote-unquote early founders yes. of the League's Cup? Who's going to no, be I one of the quote-unquote of the early founders of the League's Cup where they bring yes. teams from Europe or South America? That's where they're seen, and they're seen yeah, in a business like, move. And like I'm you've been listening I, to me. I'm not saying I agree <laughs> with you. I'm, not, I'm sorry. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying I find it very unlikely to go back to Libertadores, to go back to whatever – because these are the same business people that have been putting business before the game. And it's well, it is, that is, to be that way. That is football, though. Business but, first, game but, second. But, but uh, another you, you don't have football without money. There, another interesting thing that you said was about copying the Argentine chance. And Joel, he's guilty of that. You know. <laughs> no, no. What? It's a, what? It's a fake product MLS. It's a fake product. <laughs> Like, if you're a real yeah. fan of the game, it's a fake product. It feels corny. was copying the, uh, the Argentine chants, you know, during the World Cup, like, escucha, corre la bola, you know? I don't know what you're talking about. What the hell, Rod? And you know what's the perfect example? The Mazatlan owner, the other day, like, uh, when the Leon thing happened, like, he tweeted, like, we got to change a lot of things in Liga Mekis. And one person responded to him to, like, dueños mediocres, jugadores mediocres, liga mediocre. And then the owner, Mazatlan, responded to him, uh, público mediocre, afición mediocre. You think they want to put this romantic, beautiful product out there? 
No, they're going where the money's at. A, a troll with a lot of influence, Hall. Don't down, yes. don't downplay this guy. Oh, I'm not downplaying him. I, I, no, I, he, I, he I agree with a lot of the stuff he says. I he, like has, he has both but, of his cronies that El, El Cabeza de Nalga, Luis Garcia, and that and that other spoiled tea drinker that thinks he's Mexican, Mar, Marti Martinoli. It's count. It's a. Uh, it's kind of a. Uh, he's contradict his his the message his TV station gives out is kind of contradict is con contradicting what he says, because uh, his TV station those two guys are always shitting on everything Liga MX, and then yeah. they're doing Liga MX commercials. They're hyping up the Liga MX game, the Mazatlan against Puebla game. Like, which one is it? Is Liga MX is Liga MX shit or? Is everyone go, going crazy? And what's going on here, you know? Yeah, no, that's that's just how, how they always done it. Um, that was for a long time. They were they got some MO, you know, to attack to attack Televisa or America. And now they're sort of they're sort of partners, so go after the league. <laughs> we need we need a new enemy. Um Dale, 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 campeón. What was it uh, a couple weeks ago? The telecast. The telecast with the, what was his name? Luis Garcia and Martinoli and Sage, where, you know, he was being a philosopher, Sage, where he said something. He tweeted something about, or, or no, he didn't tweet it. It was on the telecast or whatever, but he says, Si eres feo, pero tú tienes buen corazón, no importa porque todavía eres feo or something. Some shit like that. Like, Sagi's so, voice is so smoothing <laughs> to hear. Tell us how you really feel. Sorry. <laughs> right, Ron, you know, you know how America does have power that Ricardo doesn't like to admit, you know, and I don't mean the good power, the dirty power. You know, this is a ref right now from the Leon thing. He got 12 games. Ron was saying that the Leon players should have gotten more than two games. But you remember how yeah. Pablo Aguilar actually headbutted the guy, and he only got eight games. Originally, it was a year, but then it got dropped to eight games. The ref barely did a knee tap, and he gets well. Mm. I get it. He's supposed to keep a cooler head, but come on, I'm, Pablo Aguilar really went and like headbutted the dude. And only got eight games for it. Yeah, it's uh, different times, but sort of different times, man. Different times. Also, like, what, also the ago? club and the players didn't make a big deal about it. And that, I think that also played a role in that. They were you like, hey, that, it happened, whatever. Let's just move on. You got the Argentine guy stroking the World Cup, and you're complaining about about this guy uh, kneeing each other? It's a gentle tap. Um, no, I, I wanted to add something to, you know, what Pastor was saying. Yeah, I, when you're saying, like, if if the League Cup ever takes over, you know, takes off and whatnot. Cause, cause I, I, you know, I, I talked about this long time and then even that, you know, a lot of people were like turned off. They're like, no, we, you know, why are you talking about oh, MLS well, I or disagree whatnot? With you, Cause you were trying and, to say it could be better than Champions League. I disagree with you. But eventually. I think it could be something important, not no eventually. Champions League important. Ch Champions know, League started, it started as an Invitational from a magazine. Mm, and, and, you know, they would. What do you mean? You League, can look it up. League's Cup's gonna fail, Joel. 
de, de mi teléfono. Well, I mean, it can fail, of course. I'm not saying it's a guarantee, but I'm just saying anything can change. Like, like you know, um, so, but, but I mean, I, I think the hopes is that after the World Cup, if popularity, if the sport gains popularity here in the U.S. and and more people start watching, that means more sponsors, more money, then yeah, you wouldn't see this cup would improve and they would, I couldn't even see them inviting South American teams or even doing something where they would play against European teams because pre-COVID, we would see a lot of um, European teams coming here and playing tournaments. Remember Chivas played some international, I forgot what it was called, but it was Chivas in America and they played all these teams from Europe And so I, I could see a lot of that stuff happening. Um, we already gone over the Europe, like Champions League stuff, so I don't want to rehash that. But you, you know, you're seeing how a lot of these teams are going bankrupt or owned by foreign. You know, they're not even owned by people from that country. They're owned by they have a bunch of foreign owners. And so if that over there, their economy ever fails, or those people just decide to invest somewhere else then it will drop. The, the quality I do think will drop because they're very dependent on, on foreign talent as well. So, I mean, if it is like the U.S., like so you're saying the U.S. could have the best football league, basketball league, because they can't have the best soccer league? You're underestimating how cheap these billionaire owners are, Joel. Who's putting up Manchester United for sale? The Glazers. I would say AEG, right? Who's, who's putting Liverpool up for sale? LeBron James? I don't know. Who owns, Le, who owns Liverpool? He's a U.S. owner. These, the, look, look, if anyone watches the NFL, they have their salary cap, right? Mm -hmm. Wherever, ever, the, ever, like, supposedly they're trying to implement in League IMX. If you watch the NFL, <laughs> the, the constant news, The storylines revolve around the draft, who they signed, this and that. And they they never want to <laughs> go over that salary cap because a lot of these owners are cheap bastards, man. And the same with the NBA. What happened to that Clippers owner? That guy never spent money on the Clippers. He he even said it in, in one of his interviews. He just sat back and collected the, the TV rights money that they generated. What How makes much you money think being, they go back to MLS? Yeah, but how much money was being put? That's, that's oh, the no, thing. To add it could seem Ricardo... cheap. It could be a hundred million, and and to you, you're gonna say he's being cheap. No, and but so to which a... soccer team is in in at least in this part of the world getting that much? No, but to add to Ricardo's point, nobody has that like Saudi Arabia money, but you know Saudi Arabia they're offering Messi like four hundred million dollars a year. Honestly, no one else can compete with that. But the fact that the program, the plan to bring uh, Messi to the MLS, their plan is that each owner pitches in to bring him in, and then one team gets him. In this case, it would be he chooses Miami, New York, L.A., or one of those. He gets to choose where he wants to go. But how are you going to be the U.S.? How are you going to have all these billionaires? How are you going to be one, quote-unquote, one of the strongest economies? And your plan to bring in Messi is that every owner of the 28 teams they have has to pitch in to cover, bring him in him, bring him in covering his salary, and then on top of that, giving him a percentage 
of a franchise fee so he can get his own expansion club down the road. Oh, shit. Yeah. Even, so are you broke or are you cheap? Are you broke no, everyone or cheap? wins, dude. Everyone wins. Everyone wins, dude. How does everyone win if every single owner's pitching in and bring in? Imagine in Liga Mekis, all the owners pitched in and bring in Guignac. Yeah, it's but he's at another level than Guignac. No, that's why MLS saying. will never. That's why MLS will never work because it's a one entity league and football. No, when, football is hope, a passion sport. No, for they're, I mean, they're you're hoping, never you're never gonna celebrate if America gets a bombazo. You're never gonna celebrate that as a Chivas fan. These MLS mm, dorks, they all no, they all have but a would, high mindset. But if if America brought a Messi or a CR7, I would. Because it improves the whole league. Uh, and I guess if bringing Messi, they're hoping to have something similar like the Pelé when Pelé came to the New York Cosmos. Uh, you guys should see the, you guys should see, I recommend that, that they, there's like a documentary on the Cosmos. Mm. And it shows how when it started and they're playing like in a high school field. And um, Warner, Warner Media buys them. And I think they, and then they move them to, to, giant stadium and they had to like paint the grass green and shit like that for <laughs> TV. But it's trippy how almost overnight they went from some amateur semi-pro team into like pretty much the first Galactico squad. If you end up seeing all the players they brought, uh, sure enough, they were at an older age, but still it was like, damn, um, you know, the, all those big names. But when Pele came here, Dude, he was everywhere, man. Yeah. He transcended yeah. the sport. You would see him on Sunday morning cartoons, just TV shows everywhere. There was a journalist, and this is a story too, and I forget the name. He was very anti-soccer, like soccer, and he was going to do an interview with Pelé, and he took him to a baseball stadium so you oh. could see like a sport, and they had to stop the game because people started crowding Pelé. Wow. And that's the truth. I, like, uh, I'll probably go and read it so we could see more, uh, go more in depth to that story. But if you bring someone like that that's very iconic, it now becomes very mainstream. And now everyone's talking about it. And they do. They haven't had a player like that. And if they were, I think they missed, I think that whole. Um, no, honestly, I agree with you. I have to disagree with you there. I think it's steady mainstream because you were in that bubble. But as most Americans from that time era of, hey, remember when Pelé came to America? Most of them probably have no idea what you're talking about. And you see it with the World Cup. Everybody in this country. No, a lot of those dudes are still there. Hey, dude, there wasn't that long ago. Everybody in this country rallied behind the U.S. national team during hey. the World Cup. But outside of the World Cup, you ask them about, like, the Gold Cup. You ask them about the All-State Cup coming up. They have no idea what's going on with their national team. I know, but like for that, that fever, that hype, but there's no actual true passion behind it. It's maybe there's style. not, but but there's a big difference now. So when when that happened, and the North American Soccer League, it was still like, it was still just getting up its feet, and they ended up bringing in a lot of players. You can see the list. It's, it was impressive. Hugo Sanchez. They had uh, George Best. They had a bunch of like. Johan Cruyff, pretty much, pretty much all the top players ended up coming here. But um, Beckenbauer, yeah, Beckenbauer, uh, Carlos Alberto, dudes, list goes on. But 
but they didn't, you know, they were playing games like at football stadiums, like big football stadiums. They didn't have like a lot of the infrastructure, which now the league, uh, this league MLS learned from that. That's why they built a lot of smaller stadiums. And a lot of those stadiums can be amplified. So they don't have to stay at 20. They could easily go to 40. But the, the point is, they have all their infrastructure. So if if it ever blows up, it, dude, everything's already in place. Messi is wrong for the MLS, though. He's not the kind of person that's going to appeal to the American, the casual Americans that don't know anything about soccer. Number one, because he's a little bitch. Number two is he doesn't know the language. <laughs> Damn. He's, he, he doesn't Damn, know English. Honey. He doesn't know English. Yeah. Like, you know, you need, that's true. You that's need, true. You need someone that's going to be able to go, like, you know, you know what they do. When, to cross when, over, Jaime. To when, cross over. You see what happens when they bring in you these. You just need these... to make the highlights, dude. Just make the highlights. Like, look yeah. at Ibra. Ibra was on all these night shows, like the the late shows, and it's Ibra, right? He's over here, exactly. like, yeah. You people love that fucking shit, right? You had Bex, you had Beckham, Spice Boy, whatever. People knew him. You bring in Messi, he's gonna be very quiet. He's he's gonna be to himself. He's not gonna be able to go on these talk shows and talk about. No, you need someone like Ronaldo. You need someone like it would be more impressive if they could convince someone like Holland or Mbappe to do it in their prime of their career. It's not gonna happen though. But MLS and Messi, it's just it's not gonna work. And well, come on, man. Back back in the day when they seen him in the stadium, they probably thought he was like Tarzan or something. Tarzan. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, the fact they're trying keep... to pitch in to bring Messi, it isn't gonna happen because, like Ricardo said, it's just one entity, and you gotta be able to compete against each other to become a top five league. Yeah, their MLS is all for one and one for all. We're all best friends. The super best friend league, man. They're never gonna have storylines or or true rival rivalries because everyone knows that everyone's getting paid by the same guy and everyone's interests are the same. When 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 Seattle beat Pumas, MLS won, not Seattle, MLS. And when Pumas lost, Pumas lost, not Liga MX. Wait, That's the difference. Wait, I I check just really quick yeah. when. The first Argentine team to win the Libertadores, they all celebrated. I bet they did. I think it was Independiente, I believe. And I'm sure when Once Caldas won that, they celebrated too. But yes. how is that not different from uh, multi-ownership in Mexico, right? Because we have we have that problem too. So do you celebrate when America wins, Jaime? No, I'm just saying like if uh, Leon wins or Pachuca wins, they both win, right? Same thing with... Who else is owned by the same same person? Atlas and Santos, right? So I mean, we have some of that in in, Me in Liga Mekis too. Some, but not the entire league as yeah. one big orgy group ownership. You know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're at the two hour mark, but I did want to ask you guys a question before we sign off today. So baseball season just came back on, and they've made some implementations. To get the young fans to get, you know, to watch the games because they've been complaining about how long they are and they're trying to make it exciting again. So, you know, they added a pitch timer, 15 seconds between pitches. They made the bases bigger. They're preventing all these things to see more action. Um, if, if a game goes to extra innings, they already put a runner on second base. So they're, they're, I'm actually very surprised how willing 
they're you know they're changing the game to to appeal to like the fans and to your your average consumers. Uh, my question to you guys is what would you like to see change in the world of football if you could change one thing uh, to make it more exciting or to speed up the game? I would add more cambios. I don't like the three cambios, at least five or six. I mean, they they did like Aren't five. Aren't they already like a five? Yeah. We're at they five. Are already, it's a, even five, like, at the international? Who hasn't watched the game since before COVID, bro? That's just not <laughs> I don't feel that I'm going blind, dude. <laughs> Wait, I'll, even, I'll even in DMX? Huh? Go, go on, Hall. No, no. I said, are they even doing, are they doing that in DMX also? Yeah, like, the thing know. has been like the whole game like for the last two years. Yeah. Shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't think of the yeah, World Cup making them five times? Yeah. yeah, I thought it was yeah, just yeah, bad, yeah, <laughs> Uh, it's time for me to hang my boots. Uh, <laughs> Ricardo, you said you had two things. Well, you 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 were saying to promote Liga MX or soccer as a whole to make it more exciting. Um, both. I was my points were more geared towards Liga MX. Okay. But one thing I would add is also another point that Ron Cron mentioned a while back. The the about NFL how it has all that film like no one promotes their league better oh, yeah. than yeah. the NFL yeah yep. even the, the, the hard knocks all these shows the pregame shows the postgame shows Thursday night football they're they're unmatched in that I think League IMX could probably benefit from a, maybe a, a little bit of that. <laughs> Because you know these own these Mexican owners they're lazy they're they're rich but they're lazy bastards they don't like doing they want all the promoters they want like that like that scumbag the Azteca owner he wants everyone I'm paying you so you should be doing you should be winning and doing everything that you're supposed to do right and sports usually doesn't work that way I and think Cleo Cleo or something tried doing something like that but I don't think they had access to everything. Like the way NFL films did. Like you would have to have access to a lot of footage. I don't know if Cleo was from Televisa though, but I think they tried doing something like that. But I'm with you 100% about that. And it should come from the league. But and and that would be a... your point of being one entity though. The reason they're being able to do that is because one entity, one TV package, and they're able to get behind the scenes on every single club. They don't gotta go from Fox to Portis to ESPN to television. Exactly. To yeah. So you well, need more to the TV deal, that, man. Though. What is that? I would put that down more as the as the TV as a as a network that has the rights doing that. You know, not so much the teams. I know what you're trying to say, but you're not gonna up, uh, one up me on this, man. No, no, I'm not uh, trying to one up you. I'm who's trying to one up? The all the owners <laughs> we need to come together and have one TV package. And that will bring him you closer to being a one entity. Yeah, well, all right, but MLS is still shit of me, man. All right, no, but <laughs> and 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 my second point, my second uh <laughs> thing that I would change. I know it, it might be you. You guys might disagree, and but personally, I, I got nephews and I got sobrin and uh. 
Well, yeah, I got nephews. So I don't. <coughs> I'm not a dad yet. <laughs> but they they get bored with soccer very easily, man. Yep. They're not like m- me and you guys. Like, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I watch some of these games. Not even Liga MX. Some of these uh, La Liga games. Some of these uh, <coughs> Libertadores games because I still watch Libertadores. And a lot of these games, they're hard to sit through. Mm-hmm. I would propose a shot clock at, <laughs> at each end. I'm serious, man. And what would that you, look like? They need to they need to stop allowing uh, so much defensive football, man. Okay. So much bunkering. You eventually, if you want to, if you want if you're gonna play this game, you have to score. If not, what do you? Like you're trying to be USA bunker ball, you know? Mm-hmm. Like for instance, I'll give you an example. Back in the day in boxing, like I'm talking about way back in the day, like in the 20s, 30s, that era. If a ref, like if you, if you watch some of these boxing matches right now too, they're boring as hell, man. I'd fall asleep. <laughs> but back in the day, if a ref saw that you weren't throwing enough punches, or you guys, or people were just circling each other or hugging too much, yeah, he'd end the fight right there. Yeah, people are paying for a product to be entertained not for just i get a team is trying to win and trying to make and it's a business the more you win the more you advance the more money you make the the bigger your team is right but the but you also have to entertain man like these people are paying money you know i, agree. I would agree with that in liga mekis i wouldn't agree with it in the global game like for example if i'm everton and i'm playing liverpool if that one point draw keeps me out of relegation, I'm going for the draw. I might not even attack. I might counter one or two times. So now you're kind of forcing the underdogs to attack, and you kind of get rid of the underdog. But in leagues like MLS and Liga Mekis, where there's no relegation, then yeah, go ahead, do it. I I guess my question is like, how would you be able to force a team to attack? If like, how, how do you make a rule that would force them? Hey, you can't be in your own half. Like, I don't know. It'd be kind of weird to implement. What about what do you guys think about like shortening the games? Do you think that would maybe increase the intensity or would do the opposite? Yeah, I I think it would. I do think it would because it could maintain a, a a rhythm, you know, or a high rhythm, not not get tired and be like, Cause you know. Uh, over the weekend, I noticed that uh, referees and Liga Mekis were starting to get a little bit more generous with the stoppage time. A lot of matches got eight minutes, got 10 minutes. And it was something that was kind of mentioned about how in Qatar and the World Cup, like they were very generous with their stoppage time. And obviously, like the late drama ended up having a lot of upsets and, and a lot of last minute goals. So, yeah. Argentina. Yeah, exactly. Um. What I would like to implement in in the world of football, look, they we finally got video assistance review. I'm not a big fan of it, to be honest. A lot of the times, these goals are celebrated, or you know, and then there's just that awkward waiting time between like the referee. You know, he's not even looking at the video anymore. He's just waiting for them to whisper in his ear and say, "Yeah, this is allowed" or "This is disallowed." It's like really ruining the game in that fashion, like. I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, one thing that I'm also not a big fan of is with the offside rule. 
I think we need to be a little bit more lenient on the offside rule. Now with video, video and technology, they're looking at like if your cuticle's offside or if your fingernail's offside. It's like too insane, bro. I think they need to change the rule where like 50% of your body needs to be like offside to be considered yeah. offside. Like it needs to be like a majority of your body uh, to be considered an advantage. Like if I happen to have a toe outside the line, that's not an advantage, bro. They, that goal should stand. It needs to be a substantial amount of evidence to be like, all right, dude, like you clearly had an advantage on that ball. This is offside, right? But to be that meticulous and to measure it and to have all these angles and fuck that, dude. Like just play the fucking game. I agree with you, Jaime. I, I wouldn't. So I wouldn't mind like thirty-five minute halves, and then, uh, like you said, not so anal about the offside. You're and and no draws. Like, no draws. I think every every so what, game should go to PK, man. Really? Every game. Enough of this draw crap, man. <laughs> that was that joke um, from Ted Lasso, like. I think if you ended a game in a draw in America, like that would start like a riot, you know, it just doesn't happen. Um, I, I, another thing too, if you really wanted to spice it up, especially with like the penalty kicks, I might, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I do like the way uh, MLS had their shootouts back in the day. I would love to see that. Cause I'm tired of these stupid runups and all these fake, you know, stutter steps and feints and and no fuck <laughs> fuck that dude like let's do a shootout like how we used to do in training like one on one with the goalkeeper you get to dribble past them and shit like let's see your skills you know I would love to see that for sure I saw Hugo Sanchez do a really really crazy shootout when he played for the Dallas Burn he, oh um, wow he dribbled the ball you could probably find it on YouTube. But he just like tap, flipped the ball up, and then he was kind of like walking while like bouncing it on his foot, and then he just shot it. It looked like he was training. It didn't even look like he was. He was. Did, did um, he? Did he? Did he pass himself a chilena? No, he should have though. I think that would be allowed. And you know what? Let's bring hockey rules he into just, this. At any uh, given point, was, just be able to fight someone. Just like fuck it up, dude. I would you, love hockey you, rules, dude. I think if you had hockey rules in Mexico, then um, since they're good at boxing, yeah, you had some dudes just just to be enforcers. And hey, the, oh, I mean, now, huh? Now that you mentioned that, I I, I gotta call out your goats, man. Yeah. yeah. About what? How come they were acting all tough against little bitty Atlas? But when America was spanking that ass, they didn't do anything. Hey, no man, celebration. I, I, I hey, talked I'm about it. We talked about it on the last Bear. episode. You weren't here. But, yeah, someone should have whooped that whooped that ass when he did that celebration. And no one stepped up, dude. And then Beltran pissed me off. I mean, he's a Petro Frio. I've been saying he's like a Charlie Rodriguez. They both are average. But uh, Nene Beltran said, yeah, you know, we didn't like it. Le pudimos ver una patada, pero una patada no va a ser nada. No va a cambiar el marcador. And I was like, what? What do you mean? Do I think Bucetich agrees with you. Show, show some show some intensity. Yeah, You're already dude. losing 4-0. Go up and kick him. Get a red card. At least yeah, get the dude. fans going. Show them that you're embarrassed by the result. It don't matter. Yeah. Do something. Don't like sit there on your podcast 
jacking each other off of how you respect each other, <laughs> and then heavy mocking comes and jacks all of all over you, and you just take it. Oh snap! Dude, yeah, like, yeah that we... was embarrassing, dude. That was embarrassing. Punch him, kick him. It's like, but if there is something I would change, and when I say I would change, I mean this in two ways. If you would have asked me this five years ago, I would have said, no, you're crazy. Don't change the game. The game is perfect. But now that I do have a son and I do see my son cannot stay focused on the game whatsoever, I realize I'm not going to be around, so it's going to become his game. So if they change the rules now where he grows up with it, I'd be okay with it. And one of those things I would do, I would introduce, like, a blue card. And you could use it, like, or whatever card, whatever color card. But you could you introduce it in moments such as like flopping or where it's a foul, but not like hard enough to be a yellow, like a stupid foul, where that player has to step out like five minutes. So oh, now you get like that one player advantage. That would like, be oh, interesting. Then when that player comes back in, the next foul gets a yellow, and then the foul after that, unless it's a hard foul, then it's the red. But that way you could be handing out like blue cards with a handing yellows. And you create that imbalance. Yo. Same thing. If a player goes down, he has to go out for at least like that's three a penalty, like a penalty box, like in hockey. Yeah, because you know, if if you're down and you're hurt and you're like flopping on the ground and rolling around because you're hurt, well, you shouldn't be on the field out for three minutes and come back after three minutes. That's a really good idea. Damn. So that's a great idea. And what would happen with that? The reason kids aren't entertained. It's because they're on their phone all the time, and you know they scroll through ten videos yeah. in five seconds and yep. see ten different things. They want that constant action back and forth. So mm-hmm. I would do things like that that consistently like switches up the game, and then so yeah, you know, players out for flopping, players out for fouls that shouldn't be yellows or red. Uh, I don't know about the penalty one. I'm still not for it, but anything else outside of that. Um, Maybe if you get a certain amount of yellows, you have like you lose like a sub or something. Mm. So now your team's more worn now, and the other team's mm. more aggressive. That's another good one. Eh? Like I don't know, but I would do things like that. I consistently switch it up throughout the ninety minutes, and no, yeah, I would drop it from forty-five or thirty-five. Yeah, I do like the idea of getting punished for time wasting. I think that's like ironic. And I, I love that, you know? That would be interesting. Like, a penalty box like they do in hockey? Yeah, that would be fucking dope, dude. Yeah, I like that. Just maybe not blue, like hot pink or something. Hot pink. <laughs> It'd be the black card. <laughs> no, I don't I don't know. I guess blue could work. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, that's, that's a really good idea, um, I mentioned it before. I would also love the idea of being able to uh, get subbed out, but then come back in the game. Hmm. That would that would. F- but how would that work? Well, I mean, you sacrifice two subs, but you know you're able to bring your player back. Oh, okay. It will count as a, as another sub. Yeah. Like you take like a guy who's really good at scoring free kicks, and that's all he's good at doing. Kind of like a designated hitter in baseball. All right, bro, we're going to bring you in for this. <laughs> and then, you know, after that, all right, take him out and relax. We'll bring you in the second half or something. I don't know. Especially for, like, penalty kicks and stuff. Like, at the end of the match, like, you want to have, like, I don't know, your captain, but he's, like, so tired. So you sub him out and then you put him in the last, like, I don't know, five, ten minutes of the match. I think that would 
dramatically change the strategy. If you so, yeah, that would be an opponent to kick. That's the other thing I would do. Every match that ends in a draw has to go straight to penalty kicks, and the other team gets an extra point. An extra What do you mean, extra point? So, like, if it ends draw, both of them get one point, but the one that wins the penalty gets two. Oh, I see. The one that wins should get two, and the other one shouldn't get anything, man. <laughs> or, or that, too, whatever, but two or Just both, win, I mean, wins or losses. Yeah, just three and twos, no ones, just three twos and zeros. But something, yeah, anything that ends in a draw goes to penalties. So it kind of forces your ass to try to win during the regular game. Because yeah. if you lose in the penalties, you still lose the points. Yeah, that'd be fair. I will say, though, I think eventually the game is going to have to change. I mean, you're seeing other other sports. Yeah, it has been. Yeah. I mean, it's been it's been changing, but not that much. It hasn't been too crazy, you know. Oh, I because you got used to it, but think about it. At one sports, point, there was no cards. I mean, the other sports aren't that great. Like NFL, from like when they snap the ball to when the guy gets tackled, throughout the whole fourth quarters, you only see about eleven minutes of action. Oh yeah, man. The I, rest I, is like commercials, breaks, calls. It's hard for kids, like, maybe that's why they focus a little bit more, because there's always something different going on. And, you know, there's a commercial every three minutes that they can walk away, be on their phone, and come back to when the play happens. They don't got to be watching the whole time waiting for a play. But baseball, what's the the, the Japanese guy for the Angels? You know, he's supposed Shotani. to be... Shotani. Yeah, he's supposed to get, like, the biggest contract in baseball history coming up. They played the athletics today. He was on the mound, starting pitcher, and there the whole em- stadium was empty. There's probably like five thousand people there. I so, mean, you know, to have that's just Oakland, bro. They suck ass. No, I mean, but that's the thing. Like baseball in itself is like dying too. They're coming up with all these rules and changes because they know they're dying. They know kids don't want to sit there. They know that shit's boring. I go to a baseball game for the first two innings and I leave. <laughs> Yeah, baseball is uh, or they call it America's pastime, and once these boomers die, bro, like I don't see the next gen like maintaining that tradition, and it's I'm sure it's lost a lot of viewership and and attendance and all that, and COVID didn't help that either, and you know you are seeing other sports like pick up steam like the NBA, um, the NFL, and. Honestly, soccer too. Soccer's gotten a lot of popularity over the last couple of years. I think a lot of it thanks to FIFA, honestly, like the video game. I think a lot of uh, young heads, they play FIFA, which is crazy, right? Because like when I was growing up, no one played FIFA, bro. Only like the Mexicans and like the people that are really obsessed with soccer. But no one went to the store and said, I can't wait to play FIFA. Now it's like a, it's a huge fucking thing. And there's like a lot of streamers and, and all that. So I think that's kind of helped um bring popularity uh in the united states yeah, and yeah. The world no. helps too just like how the world baseball classic made a lot of mexicans like tune into baseball because you know it's like a national team pride the world cup helps a lot too with globalization then now you have all these people that their friends are into soccer and then it's the world cup time and they see the whole world gets excited yeah so now they're interested in watching club level league level things like that but the streaming thing is also killing the sports because, you know, I like tend to bet on sports here and there. And I was trying to watch the baseball game I bet on. And I was like, oh, shit, you need MLB TV for this? 
then I saw it was like 30 bucks a month. Yeah. And I'm like, well, how do you expect me to become a fan or my son to become a fan of baseball? Because I'm never going to buy no MLB TV for $30 a month. Where's he going to watch the games? Yeah. But you pay for MLS. Uh, it comes with a season ticket. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, but even that, MLS, they're uh, uh, Apple TV, they might be pulling from it because they only hit 40% of projected yeah. numbers. And really bad. I'm looking for the thing right here. Um, so, look, with Paramount, you get, like, Serie A, UCL, Europa, uh, Brasileiro, a bunch of other things. With Peacock, you get Premier League. ESPN Plus, you get, uh, yeah, and Chivas. ESPN Plus, you get La Liga, Bundesliga, uh, Dutch League, Liga Mekis, FA, uh, FA Cup, Copa del Rey. Mm-hmm. All those combined are five dollars more than MLS alone. Yeah, no, it's 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 insane to expect people to adopt something and then just put a paywall over it. It's just like, dude, like, what the hell? Like, we're not gonna watch this shit. And we're definitely not going to watch it if we got to pay for it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's... Have you said that, uh, Jaime? Huh? Joel, right when you said that, Joel has his his fist uh, clumped up like Arthur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, no. Come on. <laughs> for sure, folks. Well, that's hey, what, but, but Before up? you go, Jaime, yeah. if you'd allow me, I'd like to go ahead. give some props. To two young Mexican kids. Oh. Because I, I heard you guys talking about how there's no pool of Mexican players. And I, I guess you're right. But <clears throat> if you watch more of these games, you'd see there's some that do stick out a little bit. Yeah, who? One. And I know it's just a game. David Ochoa for oh, San Luis, no the goalkeeper. He looked good, Jaime. He looked good. Even for a half... Bro, Mazatlan makes anyone look good. Stop it. But well, we're going to have to wait and see. But one who I'm really high on is the Atlas kid, El Kalimba Jr. Oh, that black kid, Osiel Herrera. Oh, Herrera. The guy that scored on you with the header, on Chivas with the header. Yeah. That guy's been prog- progressing very nicely throughout the years. When he was with the Bicampeonato, with the, when Atlas was winning the Bicampeonato mm-hmm. in those two tournaments, Coca would put him in here and there, <clears throat> and he and even then he'd produce a little bit. He'd he'd be a uh, he'd uh, he'd provide some offense for the for the team. But now that he's he's starting for Atlas, he's um, I, I think they should really keep that guy in account for the for the national team. And then we're speaking of like on the team guys. I yeah. didn't bring another one up to your name. You guys remember Shahir Mohammed, Turko Mohammed's son? Yeah, uh, he's he, in. Uh, he got minutes against uh, America. I think he had like a red card like right away, like within a minute. Now he is Puma's assistant coach. So you want a new Mexico coach? There you go. Oh my God. Yeah, Turco <laughs> made him an assistant coach. He's 23 years old. And uh, Turco didn't, was not at the Querétaro game, which was supposed to be his first game. Because he was celebrating his birthday. So that's how he's serious. He's taking the Pumas job. <laughs> for sure, folks. Well, thank you guys for joining us tonight. Make sure to uh, subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter. We try to do this once a week. 
And we have some pretty exciting matches going over the weekend. So we'll be back probably on another Tuesday. Uh, but for night, hope everyone has a great night. And of course, we'll catch you in the next one.